Tonight's final bout is for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship scheduled for one fall or to curfew. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. The last of the Titans. In the passion and death of their struggle, the very art that had raised them to such Olympian heights was lost. Their techniques vanished. Referee giving instructions here to both principals, and this should be one whale of a match to wind up things here in Madison Square Garden. All right, fans of the Titans of Wrestling, if you're digging this show, you got to know that we've been doing them for a while. We've got an archive of shows that you're going to blow your mind. Just head on over to the Place to Be Nation to check them out. Titans of Wrestling Archives, you know you want to hear it. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was a seed. <laughs> Take smaller bite, brother. <laughs> it was. I just hit a <laughs> bit of a stammer seed or something. Like Give me a second. Jesus Christmas. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christmas. One toke over the line. I know. And I got my opening night in two nights. I'm going to blow my voice around. <laughs> Christmas. Have you, have you recovered yet, Johnny? Well, don't, don't you worry about it. <laughs> Shit. Get that mute button on the radio. <laughs> I, I keep my mute ready all the time. I mean, I mean, you sound like Pat Patterson in the morning, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, said not, no. I said I'm not coughing up cum. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, not, not, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Tides of Wrestling. <laughs> Pete, how are you? I'm doing good, man. And um, Johnny, how, how are you doing? Have you got over your coughing fit yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, you know, we haven't done a Titans in God knows how long, and you really bring it with the exciting introduction. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. Well, what do you want me to do? It's fucking three in the morning here, you know? That's true. That's what, true. what, you, you want energy? Yeah. <laughs> Pizzazz. <laughs> what happened to the parv that could go all night long, baby? Yeah. I'm getting older now, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Kelly, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, it's great to do a podcast with other people for a change. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've been bringing the solo shows. Hey, wait a minute. I've been I've been pleasing myself alone. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best way to do it. Uh, yeah. Well, except for when me and Kelly are pleasing each other doing the comic right. podcast stuff. So. Right, yeah, and Mystery Titans Theater. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> All right, does anyone have anything they want to say before we get into the, the, the footage this evening? Actually, yeah, I do, and uh, it's about this footage. 
this is really exciting to me because it didn't hit me till I started watching it. And we're good. We're going to get into this. You definitely feel that a change has arrived. This is also right at the time I really started watching almost every Saturday and really became a fan. So a lot of this, a bunch of this stuff was the first time I've seen it since I was 12, but I remember seeing it clearly and it's really, really exciting. That's cool. What's amazing to me is that Johnny was 12 in 1982. Bloody hell. Oh, you can't do math. Uh, We're almost (laughs) at the point where I was born on this footage. In fact, right in the middle of this footage, I was born. So there we go. Um, So this is the first time that we're watching footage where we're all alive at the same time. Although I was not watching. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get into it? What are the dates on this uh, opening footage here, Kelly? Uh, this is, yeah, August 30th, MSG. Okay, and Vince is wearing his light blue uh, jacket, <coughs> and he welcomes the Grand Wizard, um, who cuts a promo here, about Buddy Rose. Uh, he says, Buddy Rose tore the West Coast into little pieces, and that it's not a sin to have money. And uh, from here, we go into this uh, video montage of Buddy Rose. Johnny, anything to say about this little promo by Grand Wizard before we go into this uh, video package? Oh, oh yes. Um, number one, the wizard's got a jeweled W brooch that he wears that's quite classy. <laughs> and when uh, Vince starts off, it's great. Calm Vince you know, is describing the upcoming card. He goes, we've got the Mighty Midgets and ladies wrestling. <laughs> uh, the wizard comes out, and the wizard sounds exactly like Mickey from Rocky. Uh, here, uh, <laughs> he does have a lot of Mickey. In doesn't him. he? He's a he's a <laughs> yeah. platinum, not silver. Uh, and then we're, we'll get to the video, but then back with more wizard right after this, when uh, he says <laughs> he's introducing Buddy, and he says to the audience, "Put down your beer and Pepsi Cola. Stop eating that pop." Corn and pizza, you peasants <laughs> out in the tenements. <laughs> I was like, he's a great, he's a great, great man. <laughs> yeah, we love a bit of Graham Wizard. Um, uh, so we go, we go now into this uh, video package, um, hyping up the arrival of Buddy Rose. It's like a kind of lifestyles of the rich and famous thing. Uh, why didn't you tell us about this uh, video package, Johnny? Okay, you know what? I totally did not put together the uh, the bad knockoff of Lifestyles of the Rich and, of the Rich and Famous. Do you point? That's a good good <laughs> grab, man, because that's exactly what this is. That was a huge hit show at this time. That completely went over my head. But basically, the, the the narrator. Now, I'm convinced that. I don't even have any video editing skills. I'm convinced that any of the four of us could do a better job than than this. But <laughs> showing fucking Mount St. Helens, which had blown up in the cities, and that apparently <laughs> the t- the two most dangerous things on the West Coast are Mount St. Helens and Playboy Buddy Rose. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And uh, he says, he's talking to his chicks, and he says, my sweet little mud pies. I've never heard that term for for girls 
mud pies. It's, it's. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want it now. Sounds like something. Yeah, I, I don't. I know I'd never bust that yeah. line out. Even ten sheets to the wind. I know. I'd never use that term. You know, hello, honey. You're a cute looking little mud pie. He wants to make mud pies. That's actually a category on Newport. I need to, but I've never looked at it. Uh, but then it's also the. Uh, yeah, you got you got Buddy playing hockey, and and like keeping up in a race with hockey players on on skates and scoring on a goalie. And that, and that's, like, that's like a shoot and stuff. You yeah, know? that's what he used to challenge the Portland hockey. Seriously, team, and that's where he made his name, saying he was like the greatest ice skater. He was like a really he was like a professional level ice skater. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I had no, yeah. He grew up in Minnesota, which is a big hockey. Oh, state, that's so awesome! He's a big hockey player. I had no idea, man. Uh, yeah, I think hockey was like his first love before wrestling. Well, it got so. me thinking yep. because when yep. he when he scores, I'm going, "That's not an obvious dive for the video." That he's he, oh, that was a, that was a, that was great, a great score. Deep. <laughs> yeah, Kelly, you're Canadian, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. He, he, he would do this for like uh, he would show up like uh, at the hockey games every now and then, and they do it for like uh, for him like to promote the wrestling. Oh, that's, he'd yep. race the players and stuff. Yeah, it was like a big. I don't want to say it was part of his gimmick, but it was something he did and stuff. Oh, every that's now and then. outstanding! That's wow! That's so cool. But the the soundtrack to this was a, a, a variety of songs. Uh, <laughs> one being "I'm Coming Out," which is not what I think. He thinks it's about. Uh, then <laughs> it's not like he's coming. He's well, arriving. That, that song is about coming out as homosexual. Uh, we, then we get. Then we get <laughs> whoa, whoa, yeah. oh, hold on, hold on. Diana Ross is a lesbian. No, it's. It, but it was a gay anthem. She when she was doing disco right. songs in in the seventies and early eighties, um, the gays loved her, and she did a lot of things that were anthems for them. Not a person, not a personal right. statement. But then we we get physical by Olivia Newton John, which is a, I think he ended up using that as entrance music, right, if I'm not wrong. Uh, and then ain't no mountain high enough that he's getting on his plane with his chicks. And now one of them is Sherry, right? No, not, not here. Not on okay, the plane. In the ring. Okay. And then showing him in his Learjet, he's taking his his mud pies to Vegas, and. Uh, then there's like a 12 minute shot of the plane going down the runway and slowly turning around for, for some reason. Yeah, but did that not look like the most cramped trip ever? Like I'd be, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That's all you got on that face Holy, out there? I, you gotta be dude, kidding! I, I'm a little claustrophobic. I was like, well, let's see. This is supposed to be, I guess, Portland to Vegas. That's yeah. a couple hours at least, man. I'd be going nuts. I'd be all cooped up like that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what? Yeah, I mean, I thought at first I thought they took the shot of it with them in the limo and all crowded together, but now I'm like, that's no, that's the fucking plane. What I'm, and that looks tight. What, what I'm wondering, and maybe you guys can answer this too, is this was not produced by Vince, right? He made this himself. No, no, he did this in Portland. Okay. He did this in Portland. Yeah, this is, and he, you know, that's because he was in Hawaii on vacation. Gotcha. And yeah, this is this was on Portland TV before WWF okay. television. Okay. So, so yeah. well, it, in Bob's book, uh, Bob Backlund's book, he claims that it was Vince and Don Owen kind of got together and came up with the idea to make oh, this wow. video. Actually, that's Vince really interesting. And it was on, I'm, I'm like pretty damn sure it was on before he showed up in WWF. But uh, yeah, one one last thing though with it is, 
if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since we've been since the four of us have been together. Is this maybe the first music video vignette hyping a guy that we've seen in WWF, WWWF? You know, I don't recall seeing anything like this on any of this footage before now. No, we haven't. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think this is the big of the because uh, yeah, this totally looks bush league. Like it should be on Smoky Mountain Wrestling Television. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's something that would. I'm, I'm shocked that it made Vince's television because uh, yeah, they don't. That's not the angle they, they go with uh, the music video. Uh, right. Stuff. Well, I mean, it's straight off a rip off of Ric Flair's uh, a video yeah. that we saw in '78. No, well, 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 uh, but but WWF. WWF TV at the time was pretty low yeah. rent, as we've seen. Well, no, yeah, right, but but they didn't do music videos, and this is really low rent. And I mean, come yeah. on, I mean, well, it's, first uh, attempt. I mean, we have the balance and Helen uh, screen grabs. I mean, it was just. Uh, I mean, it's, it was it was it was fine for its time. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it's still, it was still yeah. WWF's television wasn't the state of art it was now, but I just don't think it passed the mustard as big. Oh, big right, but, wrestling, but they so. haven't even done anything like it for the music video thing. Oh no, and, no, no. Uh, and, and, yeah. and this begs something we'll get back into later. Also, is Vince Junior obviously is taking over the running of things here. It's obvious with this footage. But Vince Sr. was still the final say at this time. So, yeah. you know, you see who, yeah. who's... He goes, look, Don's a friend of mine. We're going to show this fucking video. <laughs> yeah, that's probably... I, yeah, I can see that. Uh, and, I, mean, yeah, just, I, mean, I mean, obviously they didn't bring Buddy in for a long-term push or a long-term or anything. I mean, I think he got one shot at the MSG with the Buddy. Maybe two. I uh, just wanted MSG, but he stayed until yeah. March '83. Yeah, yeah, because so he worked. He worked Pedro. I mean, he went yeah. down the car real quickly, though. But he wasn't. It wasn't right. like uh, I felt like if they were going to do this thing, it was an experiment with somebody who they really didn't have a whole lot of faith in as a big draw for him. And I don't. And obviously, that's the case because I mean, he was gone from WWF until he became you know Fat Buddy Rose again in 1990. I mean. Well, he did, he did have multiple matches in Philly. In Philly, he did at least two. Bobs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and just... you, we didn't. Uh, you, Johnny, you didn't mention him getting oiled up. Uh, because I because I don't <laughs> want to think about it. We saw Buddy Rose. Yeah, even in 1982, uh, Buddy Rose was not the thinnest man in the world. And we see him uh, on the beach <laughs> getting oiled up right. by these two women. Yeah, man, he's going to have a sunburn from hell after that. I mean, he's oh. got a Oh, and also, did, did you I watch him real quick? It's like Pete said, he's giving the promo, and it's so creepy when the girl just starts rubbing his hand, and he, and he, he interrupts himself to go, oh, yeah, that feels so <laughs> good. I was like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> And one of the gals was so ripped, you could tell she was a bodybuilder because when she talked, she even had like a well, they were, voice. Okay, so they were on the plane. Yeah, when they talked, both of them had like weird voices. He's like, isn't that right, my little mud pies or whatever? And the one goes, I'm having a great time, buddy. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do, I just noticed one of the, one of the, one of their hands went pretty it pretty getting, close to close to his. Uh, it was getting close. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like you couldn't there's, rub him off on the beach. There's children on that beach. We saw them, for Christ's sake. 
Um, yeah, I, I had a couple of thoughts about this. Uh, so d- we think that this video went out on Portland beforehand because yeah. it did seem to, like, it seemed, this whole deal seemed to have Vince Jr.'s fingerprints on it. Uh, but maybe that wasn't the case. But but I was thinking, watching this video, man, did Vince Jr. get the ideas for Million Dollar Man and Mr. Perfect all in one? Because, I mean... Those yeah, it did seem like that. Yeah, it did seem very familiar. Yeah, you're right. It did seem similar, uh, uh, especially yeah, the Mister Perfect when they're doing the ice hockey, uh, uh, and then mm-hmm. the you know Million Dollar Man, of course, uh, was rather uh, pretty self-explanatory with you know the ladies and the riding the Learjet and uh, because, and because stuff. I never remembered uh, hearing Buddy Rob Ro- Buddy, Buddy Rose. With the whole, he's one of the wealth, wealthiest men in wrestling. I was like, oh, never heard of that one before. Ten, 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 ten yeah. richest man. Yeah. Top ten. <laughs> was that big? See, I've watched a good deal of Paul, and I don't seem to remember them bringing up the, the, the rich angle on Rose. Like, I know he's meant to be, you know, well-to-do and a playboy, but they were really playing up the money angle here, Pete. Yeah, uh, no, I, think, I think that was more for the W. WF audience yeah. type of thing, yeah, because I don't think they ever played up the uh, I'm the richest yeah. guy. He always played up, yeah, I'm the greatest athlete in Portland type thing uh, um, and stuff. But yeah, I never remember the big money being. Uh, but you know, they played up the Playboy gimmick with the ladies a little bit, but not. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think Portland had the money to be bringing in. Uh, and then, then, then there was all this, and then he ended up in Portland. He ends up marrying Matt Bourne's sister. And then mm-hmm. they have an angle because they that he was never mentioned um, being married for years until the big breakup, and then they mentioned he was married, and so they could uh, make money off off pretty much off a shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so I mean they kind of kept they did the Playboy early in his career, but then they kind of lost lost it like around eighty three. Well, maybe I say. like you pointed out, it's because this thing is a spoof of lifestyles of the rich and famous. They're gonna throw in the rich part uh, with it. I was wondering if his buddy like, taped all this stuff and was ahead of his time a bit with all that. I wonder if he made himself this package to to own himself and send it where he was going and that kind of thing. Yeah, I I was wondering. That I, well. I would think that I think that's a good point, Johnny, because uh, he really was. He's one of the first guys who had a VCR, so I bet he dubbed some of this shit. I bet this was a straight dub. You know, he you know cut off sections, dub it uh, onto another thing, and you know, kind of editing like real simplistic with two VCRs, like cutting different pieces together. Yeah, yeah he was ahead of his time in that. Regardless. Can I explain the dodgy editing too? Because <laughs> Buddy did it himself. Um, yeah. yeah the, the the other um, thing you mentioned, Pete, and I thought it was a good point, is that um, it, this was very reminiscent of that 1978 package that we saw from mid-atlantic you know it's almost a virtual carbon copy of the some of the stuff that we saw with flair there and it did yeah. make me wonder did uh, flair and rose ever have a program because they virtually had the same they worked each other poorly here and there <laughs> yeah. but we, there's no footage of the matches there's a tag match between the two uh, mm-hmm. we have on tape but there's no uh singles matches but they of course buddy would would wrestle him but uh because he was the champ coming in, but he was usually heel, so they usually were, usually were aligned together. 
but because normally when Flair would come in, he'd be working like Billy Jack Haynes and stuff. But yeah. he'd still work, buddy. Uh, but just not on the. So, so Bar- Bar- to, to, sorry to your point about the Flair thing being a low rent knockoff. Yeah, he didn't have Sweet William driving him. Number one, and uh, and number two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he had, he had, he had yeah, Richard King. But, he, but you notice <laughs> that the wealthiest, tenth wealthiest man in the sport has to carry his own luggage out of the fucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's on, and he's at the public beach. <laughs> I, I just thought that it might, be, it, it might be a natural um, feud rather than flag. Well, they, rather they than were flag actually working. Yeah, sorry, they were actually working together in Portland at this same time. Like he would go back. To Portland for the big shows, and one of the big shows, or a couple of the big shows, was him against Lair for the NWA belt. Yeah, well, well I was thinking it, it, it might actually make, rather than Flair go in there for Rose to do a heel run down in uh, Mid-Atlantic um, against a face Flair. I think that, yeah. that, that would be the way around. Cause and Rose, and he was Rose, invited. He was invited to Mid-Atlantic. Piper was there, so Piper was his in. And... Uh, Buddy was welcome to come, but Buddy rather uh, would rather have stayed in Portland, where he was the king of Portland, and it was an yeah. easy territory to work um, uh, travel-wise. So that's and, that fair, was and, and, and it was fair payoffs too. I mean, yeah, and was, good. I mean, pay, uh, still a lot of money, but it was good for yeah. what they were drawing and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My dream yeah, match no, was always Buddy Rose versus Ricky Steamboat. That was always my dream match. One of my dream matches. So I think they'd have incredible chemistry together. I think Buddy is one of the all-time mm-hmm. greats, and I think uh, Steamboat would be incredible selling uh, for a lot of what uh, Buddy was uh, playing. I, I was just going to say, in terms of the angle, I thought it would make sense because Buddy is so clearly like a knockoff and like a low, like low, no, low rent more than anything else. And mm-hmm. Flair is more the real deal. So if you could, if you book Flair as the babyface and you had him, you know, laying on the public beach and so on, I just yeah. think that they could have a lot of fun with the promos there. They, they, could, they could. I agree with you. But then wouldn't Flair kind of make Buddy look low rent and kind of kill his aura in Portland? Well, I mean, they, they, well, no, they run it, run it in Mid Atlantic. So they would, right. I guess they, they oh, wouldn't. Yeah, okay, I get you. I got you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm. Like, he'd be Buddy Landell. It kind kind of like the Buddy Landell feud uh, a little bit later on, yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll, we'll go back to uh, uh, Grand Wizard, um, and uh, he comes out with this "Put down your pizza" line, and um, then we have a little promo from uh, Rose, and he, he he does the classic: "Are you through? You're just coming up for air." <laughs> Vince barely says anything, so uh, yeah. that was a clearly like a pre-prepared line. And, and, and wasn't he, it wasn't he uh, like really physically taller than the rest of them, like even taller than Vince? Mm-hmm. Deceptively, yeah, like, but you never really think about um, how tall he is. But man, he was—he was probably about three inches taller, or two inches taller than Vince. And Vince yeah, is a pretty tall also, dude. I always he was thought. Also making sure to stand yeah. up stage uh, a bit too. Uh, he's a, yeah. That's how good he is at all the little things. You know, knows exactly where to be, even in interviews. Um, any further thoughts on this promo from Rose? What do you, what do you think of Rose as a promo? He's good. I think he's pretty good. Yeah. You couldn't really get a feel for him here. I mean, it was, it was more of a soundbite. Uh, but yeah, but in Portland, he always cut really good promos. Yep. All right. Well, why don't we go into this match then? Um, because it's uh, Backlund versus Rose. What's, what's the date on this, uh, Kelly? August 30th. Say that again. August thirtieth. August the thirtieth. 
okay, all right, MSG. I don't think we need to give Buddy Rose a, uh, a bio here, really. Um, do we? I don't think so. <laughs> well, we didn't prepare one. I hope not. Yeah. He actually was on the, I think it was the previous disc we watched. We've skipped a lot of bios, but I, I think we're going to make up for it tonight with some other guys. Yeah, but I, I think, like, we got a whole show on Portland, and Buddy Rose has been talked about to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so yeah. let's uh, let's just move into this match then. Um, Pete, what did you make of uh, this one? I, I enjoyed it. Um, it kind of had, you know, the, the matches that we really liked from Backland. Like, I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, Adrian Adonis, Greg Valentine, um, and that type of ilk. Um, it's... Uh, those are the ones that you feel they're more like classical NWA title matches. And those are the ones that really stand out to me and actually play more to Bob's strengths than the brawling ones. And he has a lot of great brawling matches because that was the style in uh, WWF. Like, you know, like Slaughter stands out to one. But when mm-hmm. he's able to, to exchange holds, I think that's where it's really where his, his strong suit was. And, um, and like I think we see it here. I I like the early start where we see the amateur writing uh, and stuff, you know. Um, and uh, I thought Rose was really good at shining up Bob early on. And then um, you see just you know, see these like little, uh, you know, they're just then they start working the mat. You see Bob who who's a master of working holds, and he he does them really well here. You buy into him. The crowd's with it. Um, and you can you can easily lose the crowd when you mat wrestle because you can just sit in holes. But these guys were working the holes. Um, I liked uh, Bob's uh, uh, sling blade headlock where it's going back and forth, uh, and the crowd's counting it. And uh, and then you get a uh, you get Buddy gets good heat on him. And and uh, I I thought uh, I thought Bob again. He's just like so good at getting the most out of these. I've working these holds and. Uh, and I just thought it was overall a really good match. I gave it like three and a half stars. It wasn't blow away or anything. Oh, but it was two guys. No pun intended. No pun intended. But these guys uh, they had good chemistry together. I really wish we could have got a longer run on it because uh, Rose is a guy. And actually, if you want, we, we're going to end up watching, I think, what, three of his matches? Uh, uh, yeah, there's some stuff from Philly that we're going to see that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, all three of their matches are different. That's like, I always thought Buddy Rose and Nick Bockwinkle were the two best ever at, makes, uh, at making their matches different. And uh, I think Buddy's going to bring out uh, a really interesting Bob here. And I thought we got a good good taste of uh, what Bob would be like if he was like an NWA Jack Briscoe-esque uh, world champion. And, uh, and we had a really good match here. Uh, Johnny? I, I forgot to mention, by the way, we did see Sherry at the, at the start of this match. Yeah, you can't miss her. Her legs are just dynamite, aren't they? <laughs> well, I'm down, uh, instead of Sherry, I wrote down Cher because I didn't recognize her as Sherry. And I was like, and Buddy comes to the ring with apparently Marlena Dietrich and Cher. <laughs> but, uh, so I have to go back and look. I totally didn't catch that that was Sherry. The, the, the one other thing I wanted to mention is August 82 when Bob is still oh. over, pretty oh. over at MSG. Dude. Oh, dude, the dude. Yes, he was doing the fucking yes chant. Yeah, he's doing yes chant. I, I, I wanted just, I, I somebody needs to isolate that. So we put like, Daniel, Daniel Bryan's a thief. <laughs> <laughs> video fucking evidence. Because he was leading a yes chant in the middle of the goddamn ring. Uh, 
And then when uh, you know, Buddy is making sure that they're going to comb his, his cousin Oliver hair, uh, and Vince is like, there's a man in pleasure. I was like, yes. Uh, now, for all of Buddy's always changing things up, there's one thing he always does do, and that's that fucking Buddy bump uh, through the ropes to the outside. Oh, yeah. I always call I always call it the Buddy death Rose bump. death bump because like Jerry Estrada does it too because it looks like you know. can kill yourself if you don't if you don't have to Holy still shit. try. It's it's very dangerous, but I'm, I always love it. I always pop for it. Mm. And as you were saying about them uh, working holds, you know I'm not the biggest uh, holds guy. And when they were, I liked the writing at the beginning of Big because it was just showing how outclassed Buddy Rose was. But it was also maybe Buddy showing the Bob a little bit that no, I can wrestle. Because they, you know, I'm, you know they, just, they bring guys in all the time. Uh, but like you said, as far as I'm working those, this might be the match with the most fun headlocks I've ever seen. Because there's a lot of headlocks. And both guys were making them entertaining and fun. You, you know, and uh, yep. at one point during a headlock, when they're doing the whole heel, goes to maybe grab the tights and roll roll the baby face over. It looks like he, he swats and almost kind of, uh, gives Bob a little tapper in the nuts, and because when they come back over, Bob like clenches his fist real quick with this look like fucker, <laughs> like and it couldn't be just part of the show, but it just totally looked like he got him in the nuts, and he was just mad like, dude, you just I'll, I will punch you if <laughs> you do that again. But yeah, I thought this match was a blast. Kenny, uh, yeah, I really liked this one too. Um, I'd seen it before. Um, I've been. I'm a big uh, Buddy Rose fan. And going back to like why he only got the one shot at MSG, and this goes to back to Backlund's book again, was that they, it was kind of a um, wrong place at the wrong time for Buddy in the sense that uh, Vince Sr. had uh, Superstar Graham back, and that, that was the planned uh, big three-match uh, series at the Garden um, for the fall, basically. Why? So, you know, that... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so that was already set in stone. So Buddy didn't really have a chance so much to to have uh, rematches at MSG, um, but the yeah, crowd. He, was... he definitely, he definitely felt like a placement, like a placement holder. Like uh, I'm not going to be here very long. Yeah, he even felt that way. Even the match layout guy going by Bob going over uh, in the first match. Right, but I will say that like, didn't you feel the atmosphere before the match felt big time? Like I. I oh, felt dude, like I'm not, not not denying that, but I'm talking about the finish. I mean, the finish was defensive. right. Well, it was. That's yeah, definitely I mean, not a. That's not the finish where you're coming back to, to the garden again. No, but they'd already booked Graham for the next show, so of course it had to be a decisive win for Bob. Um, yeah, but exactly. it had a big main event feel at the beginning. Uh, the crowd was like nuclear hot for this match. Uh, you like know, it was. You know, how much, you know how much they drew? I'm just curious. Um, I think it was nineteen thousand, which isn't a sellout, but close. So like a a thousand off a sellout. Um, and for a guy coming from Portland who wasn't known in the territory, I think that's a pretty good accomplishment. A lot of uh, oh, yeah. uh, so-called bigger names have, have drawn less than that at the Garden. So do, do you know what Graham did the next? Uh, well, the, yeah. Well, they did three straight sellouts, and that was basically because Graham was such a big deal in New York, and him coming back. Uh, was pretty much automatic sellout, even though, as we'll see, that's, the match... Yeah, that's why, because he didn't draw on Philly, because people thought he was dead, and this guy looked like a fake Billy Graham, right? I, I, I don't even think they ran Graham and Philly, because... That might have been uh, it, then. okay. Yeah. After the, the early returns, the early returns from the, the MSG matches with Graham was that he couldn't work anymore, 
uh, that he he couldn't go more than ten minutes, and and ten minutes was like going you know pretty long for Graham at this time. So yeah, no, he wasn't even outside of MSG. I don't think he did any major uh, shows. But anyway, that's coming up. Um, back to this. Yeah, you mentioned the Yes Chant, like Bob. You know, this is August 1982, and Bob is still super over uh, without like a hint of him uh, any like uh, negative uh, heat from the crowd yet. At least at MSG. Yeah, just wait a minute. Um, but yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. It's we're getting there, and, and we're going to talk about something later where he gets uh, some booze. Um, this was the battle of two Minnesota boys who became top guys in uh, two different territories around the same time, because uh, Buddy took off in Portland around 1976 and had a long run as the top guy there. So here they are, uh, main eventing MSG in 1982. Um, I love the headlock exchange. It was cool to see, actually, uh, Bob be the one that takes the headlock at first, um, whereas, you know, we've seen him so many times being the guy who has the headlock uh, for a good portion of the match. But then, of course, he gets his own headlock in a in a spot to, like, show Buddy, like, how it's really done. And Buddy's great at doing the headlock. Uh, Pete and I, it's been a while now, but it was a Titans we did way back where it was uh, Buddy and... Uh, um, no, Jay Youngblood. That's right. Uh, okay. Where they did the headlock spot, where Buddy got pinned after um, Youngblood did uh, like thirty cranks of the headlock. Yeah, on. that's right. Yep. <laughs> um, so that was a great spot. Um, the crowd was just super hot through everything. Like they never at once uh, went quiet. Uh, so I was really impressed by that. And um, at the end, yeah, I mean, Buddy's one and done. And uh, also, Buddy or uh, Bob was just getting the um, chicken wing over. As his finish, so this was um, a great way to get it over as a as a killer move that ended a match um, immediately. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really like this match. Yeah, the chicken wing is much better than the atomic drop as a finish. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, sometimes when he did the atomic drop, when he held him up and did like the walk around the ring, that was pretty damn cool. Yeah, still, I'll take the, <laughs> I'll take the chicken wing. Yeah. That's well, the, uh, that's not the first like, time you've ever said that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the forearm work by Bob when he was in the headlock. You know, anyway, he's great. That was a that was a kind of William Regal style from uh, Bob Backlund there. Um, you just you know when he was like grinding the forearm into into yep. uh, Rose's head. I, I always liked that kind of forearm type stuff. Um, gritty, yeah. I enjoyed that. Uh, I also thought Bob was particularly vocal tonight. He, he had, he was, you know, shouting more than usual. Yeah, um, he was more like charismatic or confident or something. He, he seemed to be really in touch with the crowd in this match. However, I have to say I was basically a bit disappointed by this match because it was, I mean, yes, headlock, but still headlock. <laughs> I mean, it was Headlock City, you know, um, and, you know, I, I guess I just want the match to be a bit better between, I, I mean, Pete's rating of three and a half, not many miles off. I'd probably give go like three, maybe. But I, I guess I want the match to be better. Like, I, I'd, I'd have hoped for more action in the match. You know, let's see some of this rope running uh, from Buddy Rose or and some, you know. Or a suplex or something. Um, so I just thought the I just thought the match was a bit low on action for these two. You know, like well, why why did they only work a headlock sequence? Just seemed a bit like, you know, especially as the match had this big 
you know, had a uh, big match feel. Because it was I, getting I, over? Yeah, I mean, it was over, Perv. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I, I don't know. I just expect a bit more. You know, they, they basically, I mean, we, we, we'll see a match later, which was an opener. And I, I didn't really, like, I didn't think that the way they worked this was, you know, particularly main event style. Uh, I mean, yes, it was like the first 15 minutes of an NWA title match. But then we didn't get the like the, the hot the hot stuff. So <laughs> that was my feelings on this one. Um, you know, good for what it is, but I, I I'd have wanted it to be better, uh, to be honest. So there we go. <laughs> I guess I'm low vote on it. Well, that that speaks uh speaks of the reputation of Bob Backlund and Buddy Rose that you expect them to deliver, you know, a pretty good match. So well, I mean, I've seen both. I mean, we've seen Bob have so many good matches now. Yeah. Uh, I've seen Buddy Rose have really good matches uh, in Portland, and I, I guess this just wasn't, you know, it was good. Don't get me wrong, the headlock stuff was fine, but I I wanted to go into the third and the fourth and maybe even the fifth gear, you know. Right. And we we it just never got there. Maybe maybe they do in Philly. We'll see. Um. So now we go from this into, um, Gary Michael Capetta. Um, because Bob Backlund won a trophy in Japan and uh, comes out wearing a suit dressed dressed like it's 1978. Did, what do you make of this suit, Johnny? Uh, it, it's uh, a suit. Uh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same one he wears every time uh, he appears know. on TV. He's, yeah. With the white... With the trophy accepting that's, uh, Yeah, man. It's a, you know, that trophy was so big, as we were told over and over again, about how huge his trophy is, that he maybe thought he'd have to flex really hard to lift it, and so he wore his old suit instead of the new one. <laughs> um, yeah, he's wearing his old fucking suit. But who gives a shit? <laughs> I, I, I like and, it. And, you know, so, I mean, the guy, he has 365 days a year, according to these guys. He, how wouldn't he get yeah. a shot, you know? Yeah. There was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the problem I know. There, there, there was no <laughs> men's warehouse at the time. And he can't go get tailored for jackets and stuff yeah. all the time, you know? That's why, ba- that's why Baron Sakuna couldn't get any shoes. Just not enough time. Exactly. <laughs> why the cape was all woolly yeah. and moldy and stuff. <laughs> and freaking Pat, Pat, you know, you got these four fucking jabronis waiting to have their dumb match, you know, and, and Pat's like, we have to interrupt. Uh, he won the most prestigious <laughs> tournament in Japan. No matter what the fuck this is, it's like the name of the tournament was the most prestigious tournament. That's the name of the tournament. We've never heard of it before, but it's a huge fucking trophy, and he won it in Japan. And boy, was this in Allentown? Uh, this was actually Amber. Hamburg. The boo birds were out. Yeah. The boo birds <laughs> were in the stands uh, in right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, for as over as he was in New York a minute ago, because there was lots of boo, you know. So unless they were booing <laughs> yeah. his, his yeah. fashion choice, uh, you're you're seeing <laughs> the seeds of maybe the Philadelphia area turning. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, uh, one thing I was wondering is, would you be allowed to have a trophy as big as that on a plane? Do you are you are we are we buying the fact that he's brought this all the way over from Japan? Well, imagine you're, you're trying to go put your your carry on in the the overhead and some asshole is taking up the whole fucking thing with this fucking trophy, you know? 
do you think Senior or Noki would pay for first class? Maybe he paid for a seat, a seat oh, for the trophy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Andre together. Do, 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 we, do, we, do we know if this was a real tournament, Kenny? There's no fucking uh, way it was a real tournament. I think there's. it probably was. I couldn't find any evidence of it online, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. You would think that, because he wasn't working in Japan, um, you know, every year for... Yeah, but they're not going to put some fucking gaijin over uh, in that tournament. Oh, he beat... Uh, one, one, result, one result I did find from a few weeks earlier in Japan was bowing over uh, Fujinami, so he did... Oh yeah, I'm not, denying, I'm not denying that. I just can't imagine them giving a gaijin a trophy. It is well, not okay. happening in, in the really? And not not and not when it's Bob who only goes. I mean, he made enough tours, but he wasn't like it wasn't like a Stan Hansen esque or Broody Broody. No, but Anoki Anoki always made sure to uh, put over the WWF big time because he wanted himself to be an yeah, MSG yeah, main yeah, event. Well, right? well, I don't know. They can't even. They can't even tell you what the what he what what prestigious tournament was. I'm gonna say prestigious the whole trophy thing a fucking work anyway? They 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 hold them up in the ring and then they take them back. They don't get to keep those fucking things. Yeah, it yeah, seems probably right. Seems like they hand out trophies pretty freely in Japan, or you at know, least they know, used to back Foley in the old days. I know Foley said when he got his trophy, when they got backstage, they took it back from him. Okay, we're, we're gonna need. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. I, I think well, it's legit. I mean. In in fairness to Patterson, what's he meant to say? Like uh, all of those handbills, like I'm the winner yeah. of, the G, of the G1 plus. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no one. Yeah, maybe Pat, maybe, maybe Pat just know. decided he looked at all the those uh, all those abbreviations. I, mean, I think Pat. I think Pat. Pat could easily say, "Hey, Bob won this prestigious tournament in Japan called the G1." The I mean, uh, well, give it a name. The IWG. I'm just saying, most prestigious Vince. Fine. fine. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I am. I will go to my grave if he won an actual uh, big tournament. In, okay. Well, yeah. listeners, it, listeners it, out there, please yeah. prove Pete wrong. Yeah, on this one, on this one, not someone in 1985 or 1979, but at this at this trophy he won in Japan. <laughs> 1982 it, tournament. Uh, I, I take it Bob versus Fujinami didn't make tape. Ah, uh, there is yeah. one out yeah. there for sure, at least that I know of. And I, I think, think it's, it's 82 also. Yeah, yeah I think it's on. Uh, I think it's on the uh, uh, New Japan Network. New Japan Network, okay. It, well, it, it wasn't on the DVD-R set because uh, I, well, I watched 82 not not so long ago, and I didn't yeah, well, see. It's on somebody's Bob Backlund set too. Yeah, right. and it used to be on uh, YouTube or Daily maybe Motion was, or both. Maybe that was the well, I'd like to, I, of a one night tournament that just happened to be the most prestigious. I, yeah. I'd like yeah. to see. I would like to see that match. It'd, it'd be, be of interest to me. Um, I do have a question uh, though. Bob does not need this. I mean, he's been put over consistently for five fucking years, and has been yeah. the champion. He needs a trophy on yes. top of that. Yes. Well, but that's yeah. maybe why the fans are turning yeah. on him a bit. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. They could have given this to. Oh really? I did. Eddie oh, yeah. oh really? Eddie okay. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I mean, I can't believe he didn't break the damn trophy. I mean, I, I, I know I was waiting for someone, yeah, for someone to break the trophy yeah. and then shove a face in a cake. You know, like what the fuck? 
That, that's that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Barb, I, I, I don't think Bob needed the rub of a trophy. What? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> they're, they're TV, they're <laughs> they're TV things, and the champ gets to come out and get awarded. Usually that works and gets over. It's just this crowd was full of fucking Philly malcontents. <laughs> They used to do this sort of shit with Hogan as well. It's like, and the wrestler of the year is on of top of being <laughs> on top of fucking winning every match ever. Hulk Hogan. Okay, part yeah. one, two, okay, 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 part. Do, no, okay, fine. What would you rather have them coming out and saying the person who was really awarded this great award for giving the most wishes for the Make a Wish Foundation and in real life and doing that ceremony? Which I have no problem with, but I know you you probably do. Or, or would you rather a big worked fucking trophy just to get the guy over who's already over? <laughs> I think you'd prefer the, the latter to the former. So. Fucking bad yeah, news. What's, what's the difference between this and the million dollar belt? Bad news, bad news, Brown. Well, and remember, That's why at this time, uh, Backlund wasn't the only world champion uh, in America. There was the NWA, the AWAU. You know, yeah. you had to make them seem better. Oh, dude, than Kelly, guys. that is uh, seriously a, a great point. They used to do this sort of shit to say that our champion is better. That's exactly right. <sighs> Thank you. Let's move on. Let's move on. I'd have been booing. I'd have been well, you know, Paul, I was, was going to send you a trophy uh, for your, your birthday and our friendship, but fuck you, I'm keeping it myself. <laughs> He's still working on the Brain Buster trophy. So yeah, I never got my brain. Yeah, I don't have a good arm. history with trophies, apparently. <laughs> oh, um, all right, so we go over now to Buddy, Ro- Buddy Rogers Corner <laughs> with Vince McMahon, with Vince as the, as the first guest. <laughs> and, and it's just Rogers Corner. It's not Buddy Rogers Corner. It's, yes, and Rogers Corner. Rogers yes, wrong. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a, dis, a disclaimer now: the views expressed are of Rogers alone. <laughs> How much does Vince love this line? Bloody hell! Um, but you, you, to your point, Johnny, about things changing, I, I I felt this was Vince ramping up the TNT style yeah. antics. You know, this was. The, the first ever talk show segment, yes. right? And that would become a thing that they repeated well, for well, the rest of the decade. When did Piper do Piper's Pit and Piper's Palace down in uh, Georgia? Because he did do it there first. Yes. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't I, even know that. I read that, mm. I think, in his biography or something, something like that. It would have had to have been around this time. Because this was when he had his run, wasn't it? 82. Yeah. I've never yep. seen one, but... I've so, I read that when he, he he did a Piper's Pit and then when he turned babyface, they called it Piper's Palace. Hmm. Well, one thing I liked here is that Rogers' hair clearly hasn't changed since the oh, 1950s, God, no. so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did you make of our first look at uh, Rogers? Uh, well, uh, all I was thinking, Parv, was uh, Cal trying to to give us that hint about fucking Buddy Rogers. It took us five minutes to figure out that's who he was talking about. And then yeah, yeah. I'm looking at him, I'm like, he looks like Bing Crosby with a blonde ducktail haircut. Yeah. You know? 
As in, uh, <laughs> and I just imagine him being in that huh? old cop in fucking Camden, pulling you over, looking like that. You know, if, if you were if you were black, you, you had no chance that night with that cop. Uh, and of course, yes, the views expressed because, and we'll see this throughout the rest of this disc. Buddy Rogers is a hardcore, goddamn investigative journalist. And his views are his alone because he's got some serious goddamn mysteries to fucking figure out. And uh, damn straight, detective, detective Rogers, Rogers is on the case, uh, d- definitely. Uh, what else, Adam? You're not a you're not oh you're not his yeah, manager. Yeah, I figured out. But then he talks about how Snookahead shook his hand and Albana wouldn't, and. Uh, We'll see. This was a little bit out of order, so James was James was yeah. starting to lose it already. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but clear signs yeah. of insanity. Uh, but Buddy yeah. looks like just a re. He looks like a re. <laughs> he looks like a reanimated corpse at this point, man. But God, uh, I'm loving this. I'm loving it. Dude, I still. I thought the guy still had it. I mean, he looked. Of a magnificent to me, like he he's gonna get yeah. to be at old old ladies' home oh, picking oh, up yes, all the ladies. I, I, I've worked twenty three years in nursing homes. There were guys who, but you looked at deep close, all the wrinkles and the cauliflower ear and everything. This this guy could have been dead. <laughs> I mean, obviously, but he obviously Vince just loved him. Oh, I yeah. mean, he's this is oh, the yeah. type of guy Vince oh, would yeah. love. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, totally loved him. Did, did anyone notice how Vince was? Vince was sitting like he was the cock of the walk in this uh, segment. Did he see? He was sitting there like he had the like the wide legs and the. He was definitely a kind of alpha alpha male in that section there. I thought probably because Rogers was giving off so much. He was absorbing it. Oh, my balls! My are growing as we speak. Actually, maybe Barb. Since we're saying this is obviously now Vince Junior is this is his shit. And this is the first one. He, remember, he pitched this to his old man. I got a, I got a great idea, Dad. We'll do a talk show. We'll bring in Buddy Rogers. I don't know, Vinny. Uh, no, it, it, it's, it's a great idea. I have, okay, fine, do it. He's like, yes. First foot, one of his first foothold into being the creative director is this. And maybe that's why he's, he's beaming. Mm, maybe, one, maybe one control over championship wrestling. In some uh, match that oh, we yeah, didn't get yeah. to see, and I'm assuming his father hated uh, Buddy Rogers. I'm sure he got got over it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was almost 20 years before, so yeah, I think it wasn't. Probably... wasn't now, I, I don't want to go into this too much, but it wasn't wasn't Rogers a bit hard up at this point? Uh, like, uh, yes, he really needed yeah. this one, didn't he? Yeah, I think this, that's actually right. That's the motivation was that Buddy needed money, so they gave him a role on TV. And, yeah, yeah. right before he died, he was about to do a match with Buddy Landell yeah. in uh, what, yeah. 91, yeah. 92. 92 uh, in Philadelphia. And part of this yeah. job he has here is also being snook as handler. And he and he tried yes. and it failed. <laughs> yes, and now, yeah, and a legit, yeah, he was his legit backstage handler to keep his nose because clean. Because they were still <laughs> thinking about the possibility nose clean. <laughs> they were still thinking about the possibility of going with Snuka, or at least Vince Jr. definitely was. 
because the, he was asking around. Right. They were and been senior too. As that was in Bob's book. They were asking around the locker room. Even asked Bob mm-hmm. what he thought about the possibility of going now Snooko the next as being the the next big babyface champ. Okay, since I haven't finished the book, what did he Bob said say that anyway? he thought it was he had the uh, potential and the popularity, but but it was yeah. um there was already evidence that you know the partying was already out of control, and that's yeah. why they brought in yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. why they brought in Buddy yeah. to try and maybe keep his his nose clean, <laughs> uh, and it didn't work, <laughs> and he couldn't he couldn't handle it, and then Snook no. blew it. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, so I also had a little theory about Crazy James here, um, and uh, the, the, you know, because he he put this uh, stuff out of order um, on the disc, and like you know, I've talked about him being the Sid Barrett of the Titans, or maybe he's also like you know, <laughs> this is kind of him being experimental hey, on the maybe. comp front. So he's trying to <laughs> deliberately put it out of order because he's trying to that be a bit risque it, in the kind of that is the true world. It was the uh, it was the early seventies disc that drove him into the nut house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, uh, to, you know, quantum landing leaping back in time a bit now. Uh, we go to earlier on that week, basically. Is it? Is it, Kelly? I <laughs> that we just heard about. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it was the same show, just like a half hour earlier or whatever. Because now it's Joe McHugh, so they must have been in Allentown now. Mm-hmm. Or was it in Hamburg? No, I was this, gonna, is this is Allentown now because yeah. uh, Joe McHugh was there, and um, in fact, I, I seem to remember that that's why they, that's why Capetta and McHugh ended up switching because McHugh didn't want to travel to mm-hmm. the because he had to drive to the tapings, <laughs> and he didn't want it. And I'm Joe so, Goddamn McHugh, and I don't drive <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> well, he's, he, he has the intro on uh, Rogers now, and he puts him over as the only man to hold both the WWF and the NWA title. Yep. So, um, and that would remain the case until I want to say Ric Flair. It was, yeah. Um, so anyway, still a bit of heel heat for Rogers here. He's, he deserves some booze for him. Is that heel heat or just go away heat? I think it's yeah. As we'll see, I don't think he. Well, he doesn't get over, and he's, you know, he's got a '50s haircut. He's, he's just, he doesn't fit in with uh, 1982 at all. Well, especially with Snuka, you know. I mean, they just, and that too, yeah. This right here yeah. is just him being introduced, and maybe it's a lot of these. A lot of these fans are probably like, exactly. They see this haircut and shit, and it's like they don't know who this fucking guy is. Is he? Boo! Fuck you, old man. You know, so, who is it? They weren't so studying he, their wrestling history. A lot of them probably had no clue who this guy was. You, you know, I think it's residual heel from, 19, from, uh, from 1962. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the makeup of those crowds was pretty elderly, so I'm sure a lot of the fans knew who. Buddy yeah, Rogers. but I'm sure those those teenagers were booing like crazy. Well, not so, the dean. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, put, I mean, to put it in context, though, that's only what twenty, twenty. Like, well, it's equivalent of. Hold on, he wasn't in New York very long. I mean, he just did that job, right? No, no, no. He worked there from sixty to sixty-three or sixty-four. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. And, and oh, yeah. people in this crowd were like, "That fucking guy." I've been waiting twenty goddamn years to let him know what I fucking think. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not a million miles away from like Hogan coming back or Bob Sackler coming back on TV. It's a huge difference because there was no video and videotapes <laughs> and shit. Stop it. <laughs> Just winding up. Um, okay, what do you think of this snooker being? The, the whole angle here is that Rogers thinks that. Lou Albano is misusing Jimmy Snooker. What do you think of this? I love this. I remember this. This is all, like I was saying uh, at the intro, I remember all this shit. Uh, And uh, we got the match. Well, the match. First, it's a Miguel Miguel Feliciano. (laughs) (laughs) Snooker. Have we seen Miguel Feliciano yet? No, no, we haven't, and oh, I do have Kelly? a buyer. No, no, but, um, let's do that no, first. Continue, oh, okay. Johnny. <laughs> because uh, I had his album. Oh, wait, no, that was his blind brother. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they talk about how at Colonia High School, the, the, the voiceover, we're going to Buddy Rose, the Strongbows, and Jimmy Snuka. So basically, they do the handshake thing happens here. You know, he goes, uh, Buddy uh, goes to shake Albano's hand. He's like, ah, fuck you. You Maybe he still had heat. That's the only guy who actually was remembering the 60s. And uh, and (laughs) Snooker shakes his hand and gives him the respect he deserves. And Lou doesn't like this one goddamn bit. And uh, him and Jimmy kind of get into it a little bit. Uh, Then they have the match. Jimmy does some clean breaks, which still could be like... Oh, well, you know, he's they still look at this jobber guy like, I'm going to kill you. And then he does a cheap shot and boom, 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 beats him up. But afterwards, Lou is doing his classic distract the referee so the savage Jimmy Snooker can uh, attack the guy, and he doesn't do it. And there's a lot of this is the impression that he's under us. He's been under a spell almost of Lou Albano because he's better than this. And Buddy knows this and because uh, they had a history down in mid-Atlantic. And um, yeah. uh, so that's what hap- that's what all happens here, and the seeds of discontent are started. But please, Kelly, um, tell us about Miguel. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I've got to do a a, a real jobber bio. I can't remember. I'm sorry, for Barbara, I'm sorry for uh, grabbing over. I know normally Pete gives the breakdown of the match, but I don't think that would take very long. Okay, so Miguel Feliciano. Well, the name kind of rang a bell. I think um, I, I must have seen him before. Um, he looked like a total job guy there's no doubt about that um i thought when i saw him this that he was just one of those guys that worked you know a couple tapings and you know just in the area and 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 went away or whatever but actually he's he, he was a job guy going back to 1969 in the wwf wow. and, and yeah uh lost to thunderbolt patterson on uh, in washington uh where they used to tape the tv in 1969, that was the first match I could find of him. Wait, um, Thunderbolt and he was then in went WWF. Yeah, that's something I, I. Yeah, I don't think it was ever like any. Uh, it wasn't obviously a big wow. run for him, but he was definitely there. Um, yeah, well, that's an era that's you know that's pre-tape. So there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about that was going on at that time. Um, 
But anyway, uh, Feliciano went to Florida in 71 and actually jobbed off and on there until 1977, um, while also working in the WWF uh, at the same time. So he was actually a traveling jobber. He was he was jobbing in two That's territories fit. for most That's of the seventies. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So he was. So, so, they, so they bring this jobber back and Buddy Rogers from the sixties. You know, <laughs> the, the idea that you've settled yourself that this is going to be my career. I'm the traveling job guy. Yeah. You know, and you've already settled. Yeah. That's what I'm going to fucking do. That's amazing. Yeah. He was an in-demand jobber, uh, which is rare. Um, Why? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Handful of them when you think about it, like you're mentioning this dude. There was George South, maybe, and uh, uh, Barry Horowitz. But yeah, there's only a handful of like. Well, and, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know the the the, the, the main man, uh, Jackson. Oh yeah, no. Mike Jackson. Yeah, but all Mike Jackson, yeah. Mike Jackson. had at least some runs of success at even at a, a smaller level this guy <laughs> he's the yeah this guy's the king your jobber there's like a roger <laughs> miller song that should be written about this guy <laughs> uh not quite a pure jobber the worst he did win 32 matches um documented on on wrestlingdata.com so that's not oh, bad what a setup um, he he lost 154, but still. Um, <laughs> you, 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 coach, he'd be fired with that record, Kelly. But, but, <laughs> he was a traveling the, coach they wanted to lose. <laughs> who, who did he beat? Uh, other other more lower jobbers, obviously. Um, he <laughs> returned to New York in 1982, so not too long before this. Um, and stayed until March 31st, 1983, where he actually he defeated Bob Bradley in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, in his last uh, match uh, from that run. And then he had one last match uh, exactly a year later at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, uh, March 31st, 1984, losing to Salvatore Belomo. Um, and that was it for Miguel Feliciano. Wow, what a way to go out losing to Cyberloma. There's a movie <laughs> just in that story. I can just feel it. Yeah. yeah. Wonder if yeah. wonder if any fans in the crowd were like, I remember this guy from '69. <laughs> <laughs> he, he lost. Probably. He probably probably did a job yeah. for Rogers. I, I, I remember this guy from '69. I thought he stunk then. Uh, at the time, my dad was still <laughs> pissed off about some Buddy Rogers guy, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, you know, we're, you know, we're talking about the overness or lack of overness of Rogers. I had a thought. I had a, this is a weird thing to come up with here, uh, Johnny. But I want to give you a view. Let, let's just say, like, I don't know, the Beach Boys came out here in 1982. Do you think they'd be over, or do you think they'd be like there'd be people in the crowd like who are these guys? Wait, what do you mean the genuine Beach Boys? The actual, the actual, the actual Would they Beach be over? Boys. I'm pretty Could, sure they've sold out Madison Square Garden before. They were, they? They, the Beach Boys are pretty uncool oh, in no, the 1980s. Not old, at like. all, Farv. Maybe not cool. No? The Beach Boys in the 80s were selling out fucking football stadiums. And uh, there was the big story uh, during the Reagan administration about they were supposed to play the giant 4th of July concert 
in D.C. and James Watt canceled him because canceled it, or, or because he was the Secretary of the Interior. It was nuts. Uh, he thought they would attract the wrong element. It was the fucking Beach Boys, and uh, and Reagan. <laughs> And Reagan said, you know, basically, fuck you, dummy, and said yes to be sure I can fucking play. And they were they were told nostalgia act, but they were the nostalgia yeah. act that would still sell out fucking arenas in the A's. Oh yeah. Well they they'd be a, they, they were the most, they were one of the most popular yeah. bands in American history. They were still, and, and, and Johnny has and Johnny I bet has seen twice. a concert. Uh <laughs> I, right, I saw I saw them in 1980. I saw awesome. them in 1986, right when Kokomo came out. Not Kokomo. I'm sorry. Uh, they were having a bit of a resurgence in the mid 80s, uh, and I saw them in Philadelphia. Uh, Was John Stamos no, no, on no, 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 drums? No, no. I saw them in Philadelphia. Uh, uh, the Walking on Sunshine band uh, opened, uh, and we and. My, <laughs> and my, band, my father's car was stolen. Uh, it was a whole story about getting about us trying to get home. But uh, I, I knew there was a personal issue here. Like, I, I bought, bit into you. This like you're disgusted with Parker oh, yes. in this and, uh, and uh, <laughs> then I saw them again uh, my senior year at an outdoor venue that had like twenty five thousand people at it with this chick that I uh, wanted to bang uh, in. Did you wear a Beach Boy shirt? No, no, no but you I, I just you don't touch. wear a Hawaiian shirt. Do yeah. you reckon if, if Mike Love turned up there in Allentown, he'd be over and the people would be, be people cheering, cheering him? Uh, but no. he should be booing him. A parallel, like a closer parallel to Rogers would have been like some crooner from yeah, the you know, 50s. You know, Tony, okay, like if like uh, Tony Vale. Tony, Tony vale. Orlando. <laughs> Tony Vale. <laughs> you know, like showing up. Yeah. <laughs> Question mark with the Mysterians. That's that's, the, that's, and they too that's still rock and roll. You, you got to go. Yeah, wait, you you yeah that's go. rock. Some. Yeah. If Ed Sullivan showed up. Well, Ed. We love you, Ed. You gave us Elvis and the Beatles. <laughs> Anthony Muley. Who? There you go. <laughs> Oh, there we go. All right. Uh, let's carry on. I, I, I feel like I've uh, missed a, a... Okay, the match was a squash, by the way. That's my review. Um, yeah. uh, I feel like I've missed a match here. Was the next match by Hart versus Stevens? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, it's in my numbering system, I've gone 2-4. So I, it, it looks like I've missed a match. Um, okay. So this is uh, Barry Horowitz, basically, right? Barry Hart. Yes, right. and he's up against uh, Ray Stevens. Now, have we seen Ray Stevens before? No. So I have a I have bio of him here. Um, yes, um, the life story of Carl Raymond Stevens, born September the fifth, nineteen thirty five, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and raised by an aunt in Columbus, Ohio, is full of rich tales that couldn't be scripted by the best booker in the world. First, the cowboy. Besides teaching Stevens how to wrestle steers and rustle cattle on the ranch, world champion cowboy and rodeo hall of famer Jack Roddy also ran with Ray. Roddy's brother owned a bar, and Jack recounted one Stevens incident taking place there. There were two big Hispanics in there. They were all drinking, Roddy began. They said, Ray, for $100, we'll whip your ass. 
And Ray said, nah, a friend of mine owns this place. So they really looked for it. And as they kept drinking, they finally got down to a dollar. And when they got down to a dollar, Ray jumped off the stool. He went, you know, I can afford that. And he whacked one. And then he flattened him. And then he grabbed the other one. And he rolled him on his back. He grabbed his hand. And he broke five fingers and left. And these guys pushed and pushed. But they pushed with the wrong guy. And you know what's funny? You know what's funny? We hear stories like that. But every time we've actually watched a Ray Stevens bar fight, it's not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well anyway now the racer ray was such a versatile guy the guy could do almost anything he made his mind up to explained joe leonard champion motorcycle and stock car racer he and stevens became good buddies (laughs) and soon ray wanted to race as well he was big but he had a great big motorcycle uh, a great big motorcycle and these little ones get around the corner better Uh, Leonard recalled. I said, Ray, you've got to do this to get off the line and uh, just use up all the track. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, just go as fast as you can. Use all of the track. Don't worry about staying in uh, one little line. And sure enough, he won. And um, yeah, it's it's funny, Johnny, isn't it? Because they say what a great kind of motorcycle guy he was. But whenever I've seen him race, he hasn't been that good. That's my that's my attempt to uh, so recreate your joke, Johnny. Done, you say, uh, hopefully, I was hoping he had crashed, and you would say, and the, and the bump he took of this motorcycle crash inspired <laughs> Evil Knievel. Uh, we just don't have <laughs> yeah. any of these bumps on tape. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the second wife, who can attest to the many, many tales of Stephen going out for a loaf of bread and not coming back for days. Carol, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of guys have been abusive sleep. husbands, and all of them have been inspired by Ray Stevens. <laughs> Carol Blanc and Stevens married in 1972. Well, I, I think it's disgusting that Ray Stevens did that. We shouldn't be condoning that sort of behavior, should we? Fucking hell. Anyway, know, <laughs> Carol Blanc and Stevens. Not even gluten free. Yeah. Carol Blanc and Stevens married in 1972, having met in California, and moved to Minneapolis together when Ray went to the American Wrestling Association. He had the greatest last, and he had the greatest personality. He was just great, she said. He was real whimsical. If you wanted to do this, we'd do that. Stevens loved to race snowmobiles in Minnesota, and had four, so that friends could compete. Uh, The machines uh, complemented the boat and the hydroplane. Um, And our snowmobile, are they fast? Can you oh, go fast yeah. in one of them? Oh, yeah. But they feel, and they feel fast because you're, you're open air, you know? You can, might mm-hmm. be only going 40 miles an hour, but you feel like you're going pretty da- fast. And they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super I want, dangerous. I want to say I've never seen a snowmobile. We don't really have them here. We don't have a lot of snow. We don't have a lot of snow here, so, you know. Uh, the, the couple moved to... It only rains in Britain. Uh, the couple moved to Montana, and then Stevens just disappeared. I couldn't find him for over a year. He didn't, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he didn't contact me or anything. And after a year and a half, I thought, well, okay, Ray, that's it. So I filed for divorce papers here in Montana. We got a divorce. And the odd thing was, the day our divorce paper fi- uh, final, he called me. I got the And he bread. said, why did you divorce? <laughs> <laughs> he needed anything else. <laughs> he said... <laughs> If you, you set it, if you, if you you set it up for eggs, it'll be years and years. 
<laughs> he said, why did you divorce me? I said, Ray, I haven't heard from you in a year and a half. I think that's a pretty good reason. So that's the end of the story. Do you know how hard it is I mean, to find bread in Montana? Though <laughs> uh, Stevens' first wife, wrestler uh, Therese Thies, Thess, T-H-E-I-S, I don't even know how you say that, Thies, um, with, with whom he had four children, isn't around to tell his stories. One yarn has grown through the years. It's even true. Stevens and Thies got a big, uh, had a big fight, and uh, she left in his station wagon. He chased it down on his motorcycle, jumped through the window, and took the wheel. Oh fuck you! Back to what is this chips? <laughs> <laughs> Back to uh, Moon again. Uh, first time I met Ray. We're traveling constantly between L.A. and San Francisco territory. I was a bachelor, and I thought he was a bachelor. We were having a great life. About two months into the relationship, he hits himself in the head one time and said, Jesus Christ, I forgot to call my wife. I said, holy Christ, are you married? He said, yeah. I said, how long have you been married? He said, all my life. So there we go. Um, Time to tag in the tag team partner. Ray, no matter if he was 60 years old, when you were around him, you could say he was 18, called wrestler Pat Patterson. Always fun, always happy, nothing bothered him. He was a fun guy to be with, a really fun guy. And in the ring, he was a master, no question about it. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Roy Shire, and I learned my psychology from Roy Shire. That's what Pat Patterson said. Thanks to Patterson for bringing it home. Without Roy Shire, there is no Ray Stevens. Ray was just a teenager in Columbus when he started hanging around the Toehold Club. He used to ride his bicycle down there. <laughs> and that sounds like a place that bad hangs on it. <laughs> he used to ride his bicycle down there and would hang around the wrestling office. Everybody loved him. Carl was too big. Uh, that is, Carl is Ray, by the way. Uh, was too big for a young Ooh. kid. He was big, chunky. Frankie Kane told whatever happened to... Um, that 160-pounder wouldn't give up on his dream to be a wrestler. He used to bug me constantly. He'd be up in the office all the time, said Don Lewin, who was uh, also in Columbus. Finally, I said, OK, uh, I've got him, Jim, Jim Henry, the guy who started me and started working with him and teaching him a few things. Debuting at the age of 15, by 1952, Stevenson was working a program with Gordis George in Columbus. Wow, Stevens with Gordis George. Um, mm-hmm. Soon after, Roy Shire took the youngster under his wing as his tag partner, Ray Shire. The schooling of the master had begun, and Shire shared his heater shortcuts as well as his bump-taking lessons. I didn't know Roy Shire wrestled. Um, oh, yeah. Professor Roy Shire. Stevens would grow into a five foot seven, 237-pound man with bleach blonde hair, a tribute to his hero, nature boy Buddy Rogers. Another early influence was Don Fargo, who worked with Ray as his brother, Don Stevens. Uh, Stevens developed into the best bump taker in wrestling history. Weren't you just having all these chicks describe him about being so big and tall? (laughs) He's (laughs) (laughs) 5'7". Well, it's just his aura, you know. He he was Mm -hmm. dating midget lady wrestlers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Stevens, I think, going through the 20th century was the all-round best worker of any of them in the profession, said Nick Bockwinkle. When I ask my cohorts about that and I say who is the best, who is the greatest of all time, time and time again, it's Ray Stevens. Stevens was so fluid, his timing was unassailable, wrote superstar Billy Graham in his autobiography. Nothing was ever rushed or delayed. He took big bumps on a hard ring, and watching him sell made me a believer out of me. In my opinion, there wasn't anything the Blonde Bomber couldn't do, and there'll never be another one like him. And we, how, how much have we been told? I mean, we've all been wrestling fans for years, and that's all we're ever told by any of the old-timers, is that Ray Stevens is the greatest of all time. Would you all yeah. agree? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, everyone from Flair on down says it's Stevens. So Stevens was an old school, hard nosed, hardcore heel. Graham added Ray Stevens. He was my wrestling hero. (laughs) Yeah. Because it really rubbed off on your style, Graham. (laughs) Um, Like I called him in my book. He was the neighborhood bully. He was a tough guy on the block. If I was going to be a heel, I wanted to be like Ray Stevens, who was just too hard, too tough and too unique. Uh, Paul Diamond compared it to working with God. (laughs) I remember working Channel 2 in 1963. Bombs away off the top rope is the finish, Paul. Don't hit my teeth, Ray. He flew through the air. His his knee breezed my neck. I sold it like a million bucks. I lay there twitching. Ray pinned me one, two, three, said Diamond, launching into another memory. He said, throw me into the turnbuckle. Just throw me into the turnbuckle. He goes flying into the ropes. He was the guy who did that first, and Flair does it now. Ray Stevens would only take that bump in the main event, and he went boom. He did it ten times better than Flair. Flair goes over like a big piece of turd. Stevens Stevens would go over like a ballet dancer, fly over the top rope, and land on the cement outside. People thought I killed him. So when he beat me, he beat somebody who threw Ray Stevens flying through the air. So... That was Paul Diamond totally burying uh, the champ there. <laughs> um, confident in his abilities, Stevens wasn't afraid to share his knowledge either. I was so fortunate when I was around, around Ray when he was at his zenith, um, said Bill Watts. Uh, it was phenomenal to get to work with him. I learned so much. He took time to teach me. That's the way it used to be done. Roger Kirby said that Patterson, who learned a lot from Ray, would help as well. Pat and Ray would sit down and explain stuff, and this was back when I thought I was a pretty good worker, but they still helped and explained. They taught me so much psychology, which was so important. For all his skills, championships and headlining banter wrestling, however, Stevens had great difficulty reining himself in. On more than one occasion, an extracurricular activity like go-karting or motorcycling resulted in an injury that would derail an angle. He smoked and he drank. Crown Royal was his favourite. Lived every day like it was his last. He was exuberant. He didn't care about anything, said frequent opponent Red Bastine. He just went through life and lived uh, life to the fullest. Viva la vie. He picked up that expression, viva la vie, and he did it to the fullest. Uh, As he aged, Stevens gained weight and relied more on his mind in his feuds and his interviews, where he uttered threats from the side of his mouth. Yet, he was still believable whether working with rising stars like Flair or Ricky Steamboat in Mid-Atlantic in the late 1970s, or Superfly Jimmy Snucker in the WWWF. In the AWA, he got a chance to co-host the superstars of the AWA with Larry Nelson, allowing his wit to shine. 
Stevens would end his 41 career one year career in 1991. Uh, he was still wrestling in 91. Uh, in 1995, the mayors of San Francisco and Oakland jointly proclaimed April the 5th Ray Stevens Day, <laughs> and he was honored <laughs> and he was honored as a true local legend. He suffered a heart attack in late 1994 in Minnesota, and on May the 3rd, 96, in uh, Fremont, California, died in his sleep uh, from heart il- illness at the age of 60. Ray was probably the most gifted athlete, uh, hand-eye coordination, nimbleness, um, and there is not anybody in the business that had the ability to pick things up. Ray probably reached 75%, 80% of his potential, and he was still the greatest of all time. He had the real great labor attitude. He'd give what he thought was 100%, but he had so much more. And Pete, just to uh, whet your appetite a bit, there's a photo in this book of Ray Stevens preparing a bombs away against a very young-looking Jose uh, Lothario. Oh, wow. So I'd love to see that. Jose, Jose, it's Jose, yeah. I'd love to see see that match, just looking at it. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, of course, Jose. Yes. <laughs> so I yes. Tell you for the '84 set, we have a uh, a couple tag matches and a, a steamboat single that's been nominated. So with uh, with Ray Stevens. Yeah. Oh, okay. <coughs> so yeah, I mean that was a pretty extensive bio of uh, Stevens here. Um, how did he get on against Barry Hart, Peter? <laughs> You know, I thought it was a good, solid uh, uh, squash, you know. Uh, you show all little examples of why Stevens, like flashes of brilliance, you'd want to say. You know, he didn't still, he obviously didn't have it still. But he had, you know, it's kind of like, uh, let me see, like the ex-football star, maybe like Jerry Rice in his like final year or two. Every now and then he'd show flashes of his greatness, but he just wasn't able to maintain it. And that's what I felt we saw here. Well, I mean, I have explored. I, I reckon I've seen most of what Stevens there is on tape, and the, the trouble the trouble I've got is that even going back to like 1972, we've got tag matches with him and Bach in AWA, and I, I just can't see any of it. I just can't like. There's no, not even a glimpse of him being like this all-time great worker. That's that's. I the, saw I saw it here, and I especially saw it in the Henning match uh, later on. I saw flashes of it. Like you know, I could buy yeah. into the fact that he had it. Um, I uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I I mean, to me, if someone like Bachwinkle and Patterson, who are two guys, I I think very highly of, and along with Ric Flair, I mean, those three guys are saying this guy's the best of all time. I yeah. mean, it's almost like I'd have to believe it. Almost, yeah. It's almost yeah. like uh, I've seen to <clears throat> because I, I think of those three guys so highly. Um, I just really wish we could get some prime footage. Of, it, it, uh, it, there, is, there is that one match from the 60s on tape. Um, have you oh, seen that yeah. one? Yeah, there is. And he yeah, does, no, I know. Yeah, from Australia, I believe. And and he does do the trademark uh, bump in that match, the, yeah. the, the turnbuckle um, one. So you, I guess you can see it there. But I, I don't know. It's just that he – how can I put it? He'd already put the weight on and it was already slowing down, even in the early 70s, is, I guess is what I'm saying, which is yeah. a lot – like it's, that's a long post-peak, you know. Um, for, he was for, twenty years, twenty years into the business at that time, and he lived a hard life and and yeah. worked like crazy, a crazy pace in the fifties and sixties. So yeah, his body. Think of it like, think of like this. Imagine if all of Robert De Niro's early 
acting work was just something people told you about. And you only had yeah. the 80s, you know, into these where you're like, oh, he's still good, you know, and, and everything. But oh, what's all the hype about? And, you know, no, it was back then. Because uh, like Pete says, there's too many people. And I know there's a lot of people out there go, go who, and I never get this. Uh, go, well, I don't care what wrestlers say about what's good. Wrestlers are dumb. I'm like, that's like saying, that's like, to me, that's like saying, <laughs> You know, I don't care what the best plumber say that this guy is a great plumber. Um, I'm not a big fan of his work, you know, and I don't think he's any good. But but everyone who's an expert in their field is telling you this. And then there's probably because you're saying like in 1962 he was the greatest. We don't have any of that footage, you know. And if enough people are saying it, yeah, enough people are saying it, then. A, I think Pete's absolutely right that he probably was this amazing, especially for that time. And there's, I think that's an element too. He was probably doing stuff that for that time was mind blowing. I, I, I liken it a little bit to how like every wrestler tells you that, you know, says that Shawn Michaels is the greatest. Yet a lot of online fan got fans are just like, oh, like, we hate him. Don't think he's any good. You know, or or he's just passable. Uh, and but everyone, every wrestler is like, I don't think every wrestler is under some sort of like contractual agreement to say this. <laughs> you know, it's that's the way they think. That's what maybe they're seeing it on a different level uh, than fans do. And uh, especially being in the ring with them and knowing how everything works. But I think it's definitely a his his peak was the early '60s into you know basically just the '60s when we have almost no footage. I'm willing to give the reputation. I'll make all the jokes in the world about it. As it we'll see, because at this time, this is when I was first introduced to the guy. I had no, no idea who this guy was. And me and my friends made this guy a joke amongst the neighborhood. Ray the Crippler Stevens was like, we thought this guy was the, just the worst guy we've ever seen in our lives when we were 12. So, like I said, back to Pete's point, I think, let's listen to the experts. All right. I think you could compare him to Flair in the 2000s. Um, basically, yeah. if you just had if you just had Flair's oh, that, last yeah. ten years as the that, Flair. Yeah, that's a good that's, point. That, that's, that's a good example. Would you that's think far he, better yeah. than my De Niro? Would you think he was the greatest? It's far better yeah. than my De Niro. I think. Would yeah. you think Flair was the greatest exactly. of all time? Yeah. I mean, if you well, just had. Well, I, I, I guess my point was is that I don't know. Stevens in the mid 70s is probably like Flair in the mid 90s. And I reckon that, like, Flair in, say, 95 against Savage or something like that probably shows more of the worker that was than Stevens does in some of those Bockwinkle tags. Um, But that's still a pretty small size. uh, It it is quite a small sample size, though. It's like two discs worth. Go even farther to it being like, you know, like you see, like, if you see flashes of greatness, Pete, when Flair's in WWE yeah. in the 2000s, some of it was just the worst shit ever when he was completely sad and unmotivated. When he was motivated, he had flashes of greatness. Again, again. Yeah, like, for example, that WrestleMania yeah. match, uh, the six-man with The Rock, where The Rock brought, brought Rick Flink. Rick yeah, Flair was right. working with a top guy. And then yeah. all of a sudden you see flashes of... Uh, of Flair, I mean, and he might not physically been able to do a lot of this oh, stuff. Oh, oh, personality the, 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 wise, he was right the, the, the Foley feud. 
which where he totally yeah, that's you know is you know he's not you can tell he's not you can tell this guy was once the greatest of all time. Yeah, even like even late like last late nineties when he was all he was like I think yeah he was a shrivel of himself towards the end of WCW when Bret Hart came in they actually had a really good feud and I thought that brought the one of I thought it was one of Flair's last great feuds uh, because of uh, they were, both of them were great on the mic but also it was finally Flair was finally felt like he was being positioned against a top guy as opposed to what he was being used as. Right. Okay. No, I, just an interesting thing to think about with uh, Stephen. I, I do. I did have a thought though, and I, I do think his rep with the boys might be helped a little bit by the fact that this guy was clearly a legend in and out of the ring. Like, I, oh, yeah. and like, like, I think he wasn't just their hero in terms of what he did in the ring. He was also like, like. I guess of the boys, the the biggest boy type uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's lots of guys yeah. who they remember and love like that, and they don't sit in there and call them the best in ring performer of all time. You know, there's there's lots of guys. It, it, it's gotta it's it's gotta help though. Like he 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 sounds like he's he sounds like he's the sort of guy who would also be like the best racer, the best oh, you know. Oh, yeah, or he'd, that, he'd, that, he'd oh, give it a shot, whole, you know. He could have been a racer. He could have been a now. That's all bullshit. <laughs> I think the wrestling stuff. Yeah, I mean, he obviously he would definitely would have been a horseman in his prime if he was in his prime. Well, he game. was apparently on the rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what the uh, he gives uh, Barry Horowitz here a pile driver on the concrete, and we get the full stretcher job. What do you think <laughs> of this pile driver? Um, this one is a lot better than the one that's coming up. Uh, but back to Joe McHugh, he is in full McHughness here uh because he's like Ray welcome to the the he says this about eight times during this because all the people get introduced for the first time or returning to this arena <laughs> McHugh is McHugh it man and uh as far as the, the <laughs> you need to do a remix part um as far as the stretcher job goes I'm loving this uh the referees have to do it. <laughs> no one's called from the back. There's no yeah. medical. Anything. It's the fucking the two referees have to unfold a stretcher, roll them onto it, and carry them out. And they're like, "Do we get paid double for this?" Or mm-hmm. that was about it. It, it. it did. It did bring home how rinky dink this yeah. studio is that they uh, did all their TV in. Uh, one one thing I did love about this match that we forgot to mention is that Pat Patterson is on commentary and he's putting over Stevens something chronic, isn't he? I just thought he's like the perfect guy, you know, his longtime oh, yeah, partner. Yeah, yeah. He's putting him over without endorsing his behavior. So yeah, I and I I just enjoy. It. I thought it was a and, neat and little like thing to, to your to average twelve-year-old at this time. To me, this guy is some ugly old man who looks like shit. So it's good to have Pat telling us kids how great he is. So, so now we go to um, R- Rocky Johnson taking on Mike Torres. Um, and I, I've written here that Torres looks a little bit like Super Mario. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I, 
I believe you have. Bio- he maybe he was a plumber on his uh, in his other job or something. You never I, know. I believe you have bios for both of these guys, Kelly. Yeah, I, maybe, I, maybe I, Kelly's bio might uh, show he <laughs> was a plumber, the, or, 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 or was a stand-in for yeah, a video. He, he, he looks like <laughs> the, the guy they'd hired to be the stereotypical lazy Mexican in some bad movie. Put a sombrero on him, and he's like having a siesta on the side. You know, it's like ugh, some Trump video. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's not much to say about Mike Torres. I could sum it up in two sentences, I think. Um, he worked a couple tapings in March '82 and September '82, and he may have also worked as a referee at that time. That's all I got for him. He he was a pure jobber. Could not click on the name. <laughs> Rocky Johnson, on the other hand, is a big star. Um, and actually, you know, he was, I mean, if you think about it, he's hes totally overshadowed by, of course, the success of his son. To the point where, like, everything you hear about Rocky Johnson is that he's the Rock's son, or the Rock's father. Um, and then that's about all. But if you look into the career of Rocky Johnson, in the 70s, he was a major wrestling star. Um, and I really had a good time researching him this morning because I didn't know much about him outside of his WWF years. And um, it's a pretty interesting story. So he was born Wade Bowles in Amherst, Nova Scotia, August 24th, 1944. So he's Canadian. Um, he moved to Toronto when he was 16 and fell into wrestling and boxing in the big city. And eventually he debuted as a pro in the mid sixties. And the first result I could find was January 6th, 1966 at uh, Maple Leaf gardens in Toronto. Uh, And he went to a 15 minute draw with Joe Christie, who was a 30 year or had a 30 year career as a worker. Um, the name sounds familiar, uh, Joe Christie. Yeah, yeah, he's he was. I, I clicked on his name and just to see, and and yeah, he was everywhere for thirty years. He worked under a mask quite a bit. Um, he looked very familiar. Uh, the picture that they had of him. Not not related to those Christie uh, twins who worked in uh, for Dick the Bruiser in the I, WWA territory. I I don't believe so. The the, the spelling of Christie is is different. Um, okay. But I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, anyway, uh, the first territory that Johnson worked as like a full-time guy was uh, Stampede in Calgary, uh, January to May 1966. Um, basically, was a mid-carder, and um, this was actually a down period for Stampede. Uh, 1966, they were hanging on by a thread at this point, not doing very good business. Um, in his early years, he, Johnson worked in Toronto and Vancouver a lot. Uh, I had and, no idea that Johnson was Canadian, did you? Oh, really? Oh, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, I did know that. Um, and so, yeah, he it was in Vancouver that he first became a star, actually. And he was introduced uh, in this match as being from Vancouver, British Columbia, by uh, Joe McHugh, which um, I'll get to uh, later as to why maybe... He was introduced from being there um, in 1982. But anyway, yeah, he became a big star in Vancouver. And in uh, 67, 68, uh, even like 69, 70, Vancouver was actually a really hot city for wrestling. Um, It's considered by far the the golden era for Vancouver wrestling as a territory. 
Um, Johnson had a tag title run with Don Leo Jonathan at that time in Vancouver. There was a lot of really top names working in the city at that time. Uh, outside of Jonathan, you had John Tolos, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, uh, Red McNulty. If we remember, uh, Red McNulty was uh, Ivan Koloff's uh, yes, his early alias. Uh, Dutch Savage was there. Leo Burke was there. Dr. Jerry Graham was there. Uh, the Assassins were there. So it was a, it was Damn, a hot territory. That sounds great. And, yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's really impressive. They had a stacked roster at that time. And, of course, there's nothing. There's no footage, not a shred of footage from this time um, of Vancouver. Um, Johnson actually had a brief run in the WWWF in 1969. Um February to June, mostly, or at least the results I could find were just from the Washington area, um, a lot of TV tapings, um, but it didn't look like he ever worked any of the uh, main shows in New York or Philadelphia or Boston. But he went to L.A. in late 1969, and this is where his career totally turned around and took off. Um, he became a huge star on the West Coast. Um, he was pushed huge in L.A. immediately. Uh, on January 16th, 1970, uh, that was the uh, annual Battle Royal night in L.A., and uh, Rocky Johnson won the Battle Royal that night, which was a huge deal at the time. And not only that, the same night he won the America's wow. title. Uh, so, yeah. So talk about yeah. making got, guys so, star in one night. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but what year was this? This was 1970. Uh, think about the, the social makeup at the time. Uh on the east coast or you know, in the south and eh, whatever goes out to cali and san fran especially they look at this guy they realize you know race has nothing to do with it this guy's a star and immediately push him into a, uh, an audience that's going to accept a uh, top black guy uh, in san francisco area yeah do you know the association is so strong is that i just assumed that rocky johnson was from la that's why i, I never figured that he was canadian but the, the, the other, the other, the other th- I guess in my head, I'd made up a narrative that because it don't they have some connection with the Samoans and later, whatnot? Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's 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 coming up. All right, um, carry on. Because um, yeah, I mean, he gets gets over huge in L.A. Uh, feuds with Freddie Blassie, uh, who was of course the top heel and had been for a decade at that time. But this was right when Blassie was starting to turn babyface. And in the preceding year, he had a feud with the Sheik in L.A. that, you know, he became like the de facto face because, uh, of course, the Sheik wasn't going to be the face in that feud in L.A. And then, you know, he was getting more cheers uh, by the crowd. And uh, Johnson was actually part of Blassie's final uh, face turn, which uh, basically the story goes. And this may have happened May 27th, 1970. I'm not entirely sure. But the story was Blassie. Um, or Johnson was the beat the champ uh, champion at that time, which was like their TV title, where he would have uh, defenses on TV, you know, beat the champ. A lot of territories did that. And uh, Blassie said at the beginning of the show, you know, I'll fight you or I'll wrestle you, Johnson, but I'll, it, I promise it'll be 100% scientific, uh, fair, no cheating, nothing, no dirty tactics. And that's what happened. They had like a 10-minute draw where at the end Blassie shook his hand and he was a babyface. That was how it went. And, uh, of course, the the territory exploded with Blassie as a babyface. Um, 
especially when he feuded with John Tolos in 1971 with the whole blinding angle. That was, you well, know, hold, hold on. That's how he turned, like, all the dastardly shit he'd done over the years, and he turns just by having one clean match. No, yeah. no, 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 the seeds had already been set. Yeah, the seeds have been planted. I, I yeah. know. I, I'm just saying, as Babyface turns goes, that's quite that's kind of, of the, you know. sort of the period at the end of the sentence. I would imagine it'd be when someone even more evil comes to town. You send your worst evil guy after him, and that immediately turns that guy into uh, the beginnings of a Babyface turn. And that's the chic stuff. Yeah. Right. It was kind of like that was the final thing that put him over. But it was. You know, for someone who had been, or for fans that had watched wrestling in L.A. for 10 years, having Freddie Blassie just suddenly stop being a bad guy and stop breaking the rules <laughs> was a huge deal. Because um, if you see, like, old footage of, of Freddie Blassie matches, it's he, all he does is choke and kick and punch and bite. And there's, out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no wrestling, no fair wrestling at all. So it was a huge deal. Yeah, he was a great deal watching him. I mean, yeah, I mean, he just oh, yeah. had to be a heel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything he did was cheating. Like everything was was a dirty tactic. And yeah, nothing redeemable about the bastard. Yeah, <laughs> and so he he went 180 degrees in the other All direction. I'll file down my fangs, um, Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in late 1970, Johnson went to San Francisco, um, and he he was even more successful in yeah, San no Francisco. Doubt. He wrestled there often. Yeah. <laughs> He wrestled there off and on until 1976. Uh, he held all the major titles and was a main eventer pretty much the whole time he was there. And this is where he met uh, Peter Maivea. Um, and more importantly, he met Peter Maivea's daughter. And he married her. And that's how The Rock came about, is from that marriage, of course. And so, yeah, Peter Maivea was a huge star in San, uh, San Francisco. Uh, they were a team... Uh, together in San Francisco. Uh, but yeah, he was a huge star. Huge, huge star in San Francisco. And I believe, yes, this is where the Samoans come into play. Um, they uh, they came into uh, the territory there. They were fans and uh, were were jumping the rails and getting involved you know, in matches and stuff. I don't know how true and so that they... story is, but I, I wanted to be. <laughs> it sounds it, great. I, I, yeah, I, I, I wanted to be. I heard some dissenting stuff. But I love that whole thing is that these two giant Samoan guys thought it was real and were running in and they were scared they'd beat guys up, so they smartened them up and made them into a team. That's fantastic. Yeah. Johnson must have worked Stevens during that run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Patterson. Him and Patterson were a tag team. They had the the uh, San Francisco version of the NWA tag titles three times. Um so yeah, oh yeah, no, and and superstar Graham was in there at that time too. Uh, San Francisco at this time was was a red hot territory. Um, yeah, everywhere uh, Johnson went was was like a boom period for the territory. Vancouver, L.A., San Francisco, and then now later he goes to Georgia, which was hot. Florida, which was hot. He, um, he had, so he yeah, he started working and in the producers, biggest star of all time. Rocky Johnson is a magic man. Yes. No, I mean, I'm so impressed by his career. Like, his resume is actually Hall of Fame worthy as far as, like, being a main eventer in all these territories at a time when they were on fire. It's really he's, impressive. He's, he's popped up on NWA Classics twice, and he had a, a match with Bruiser Brody, so, you know, that was a, ma- a main event. And then he worked uh, yeah. 
Johnny yeah. just reviewed it. A really fun uh, comedy match with Gino. Oh, yeah, he had cool. a match with Gino on NWA Classics. Oh, you can listen to us talk about it on This Week in Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> one of, one of the uh, thoughts that occurred to me as you were talking, Kelly, is that after Andre and possibly uh, Dusty, do you think he'd be the number three there? Uh, Rocky Johnson? Oh, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But he was a big. big in terms star. of a babyface star. I can't really in the seventies. In the seventies, yeah. I think you could make a case that he was maybe a. 10, top I'd say 10? top 10. 70, baby. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. Being, honestly, I'm not to be racist, but being black does hold him back in certain areas, in certain spots. Uh, um, but, yeah, I well, mean, it's, he, I mean, he did have I, a I, I think career. top 10, definitely. I and mean, maybe top five, even, uh, with this all the success. But well, I'm just saying, like, who, uh, just who else oh, would you put in there? The like, 70s top oh. baby faces? 70s. Um, Bob Backlund, Bruno. Well, Samuel Bruno. Bruno. Yeah, well, well, obviously Jack Briscoe. Jack Briscoe. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, Briscoe, yeah. Oh, this is some really big Mill Master. Tommy Rich hit in 79, right? So. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Wrestling 2 in Georgia was... Yeah, so, well, yeah. It, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing I was thinking of guys who traveled more than anything else, guys who moved around as a babyface as opposed to homesteaders. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had, like, substantial runs in all these places. Like, he wasn't a, a, a guy they flew in or something. Um, and then, you know, speaking of great cities, like, he got over big in St. Louis in 1975, which was still, you know, the crown jewel of the NWA. Um, and he would be a uh, St. Louis guy until 1981 and often in main events against the NWA champion. And if not that, against the Missouri champ in main events. So he was he was money. Um, he had a run in Dallas in 1976. And then he has an interesting run in Memphis. I don't know if you guys yeah. heard about this. Yeah, uh, where he's the box. <laughs> yeah, so in 1976. Yeah, it's discovered pretty big on the Memphis Heat uh, DVD, actually. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, basically, the story was uh, this was the year that they did the Ali Inoki fight in Tokyo, and all the territories kind of got together to co-promote that. And Jerry Jarrett wanted to, you know, take advantage of this hype. So he came up, and he was booking uh, Memphis at the time. And he came up with the idea of bringing in Rocky Johnson as basically a surrogate Muhammad Ali, um, who was a boxer. And they played it up totally like he wasn't a wrestler at all. He had never wrestled a match in his life before this in Memphis. And that he was a boxer. And he was going to take on Jerry Lawler. And Lawler was a heel, still a heel at this time. And it set up a big match at the Mid-South Coliseum. They hyped it as, as like a boxer versus wrestler match, totally, on Memphis yep. TV. And it drew 11,188 to the Mid-South Coliseum, which was almost a sellout. Um, this was uh, either June 21st, 1976, or June 26th, 1976. There's conflicting uh, dates here, um, which about the same time as the Alianoki fight. And... So, you know, uh, it got over big and Johnson stayed in the territory. And the story was that he was now training to become a wrestler and, you know, he wanted to eventually beat Lawler. And he did. He beat Lawler November 1st, 1976 for the Southern title. And he was the first black man to hold the Southern okay, title. Okay, I, I got it. Uh, when that this, and this is awesome. And Pete, I've, I've seen this, the, the bits too. Think of this. All those promoters showing the Ali Inoki giant disappointment uh, and sharing in it. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, 
Jared was not one of those who was showing that on a, a screen somewhere, correct? Okay. No. So no, that's that was kind so, of why yeah, so, he came so up with he, this angle. Okay. He wanted okay. he wanted a piece of the pie, but no, not right. okay. So so pie. what he does <laughs> is rip it off, but make something that was actually amazingly entertaining, uh, got over, yeah, uh, and. You know, it had a great payoff at the end with the training because I've seen this stuff, and it's great. It's so funny that the ripoff was much better than what actually happened. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, yeah. Well, one of the little things I was wondering about is that is is this why is this why there are so many kind of boxing elements to Rocky Johnson's work after that point? Because. Yeah. Um, well, I think he he trained to be a boxer when he was young in Toronto, uh, so I think it, it was always part of his uh, character. I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I also think also think partly might be because like when Rocky got big, he had yeah. a, little, a little bit of exactly. like Apollo Creed. Exactly, I was beat, I was beat yeah. read my mind the the Apollo uh, definite yeah. Apollo Creed uh, thing going on here. Oh, totally, and that was a total coincidence because like, didn't the movie come out probably a bit later than all this? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying he yeah, probably embraced it even more later well, on. Rocky yeah. came out in seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventy six. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. But probably a few months after the stuff in Memphis with the the boxing angle. Um. Anyway, yeah. So he continued wrestling in the South. Uh, he eventually went to Crockett in 1980 and wrestled as Sweet Ebony of co- Diamond. Because of course he did. In fucking the South. Which is weird, because... And everywhere else, he wrestled as Rocky Johnson. This was the only place where he had a different name in his whole Dude, he, career. Yeah, we, I have, we, have, we have matches from the NWA nominated for the 80s Crockett set of him and uh, Sweet Ebony Diamond versus Greg Valentine. No, I'm not going to tell you that Interesting. Sweet Ebony Diamond is not a great name uh, for a, for a <laughs> But... You have Rocky Johnson, already been a success everywhere. Memphis, which is not exactly the most racially tolerant area in the world, makes him a number one guy. He goes to the Carolinas, and now he's sweet Ebony Diamond. Oh, ugh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I should have uh, researched a bit more to find the story behind that name change, because uh, it seemed unnecessary to me, like why he couldn't just be Rocky Johnson there, too. Um but he was there for two years and then went to Portland in late was, 1981. Was, uh, was Rocky King on the roster? It, yeah, there could have been a no. name confusion <laughs> thing or something. Oh, really? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. You're the big, you're one of the biggest traveling stars in wrestling, but we've got a Rocky. <laughs> we have a jobber. Have a jobber yeah, in Rocky. I don't know. This, this, I'm just saying there's been weirder things no, that this, have happened. No, right. like, this is like, pure, unadulterated old-fashioned North Carolina racism. That's all that is. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Anyway, so he was in Portland just before he came to the WWF. So I'm thinking maybe that's why he was billed as being from Vancouver uh, at the time, because maybe he was living in Vancouver, because it's uh, pretty close. You can drive to Portland in like five hours from Vancouver, so maybe that's where he was living yeah. at the time while he was working there. I wonder if he shared a the ride with Buddy Rose, quite they possibly. They could have come together. No, they could have. Well, could've yeah, and there was over in that fucking plane. It was already fucking cramped. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, so here we are. He's shown up in New York, finally, back after, like, a long tour of all the other major territories, pretty much. And uh, now he's in for a WWF run, and he stays here for three years, uh, actually. Um, yeah, so he's, he's, he's not just here for a brief run in New York, that's for sure. But there is Rocky Johnson. I, I mean, I think that's he's definitely a, a totally forgotten star in a lot of ways, as far as his actual career goes other than being just thought of as the rock's father and, and he's uh, retired by time but before really i mean there's a lot of tape on yeah. him but it's a lot of it's like past his prime type of stuff oh totally you oh totally yeah. how great he oh, was he, he was, he was yeah. at this time for us kids in the wwf's area from here all the way up through 83 he was a fucking hero. We loved Rocky Johnson. Yeah. It's also occurred to me that structurally, Kelly, structurally, he's re- he is replacing some of the old time, because uh, he has this long run here, three years. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, ki- it's kind of the place on the card that, oh, did, did, you know, Chief J Strongbow used yeah, to have. Yeah, Dominic, w- Dominic. With, with uh, Strongbow transitioning into Gurria's yeah. role. It's, it's, yeah. well, it's what we're going to yeah. see it throughout this whole disc. Oh, well, Dominic was... <laughs> but we're going to see this throughout this whole disc. People are Yeah, but, but Rocky never fell to the bottom barrel like Dominic no, did. Well, well <laughs> personally, maybe. Well, but, uh, um, but this is one of the guys, like you say, part that's exactly right. We're going to see this throughout this, the rest of the stuff we're talking about. Guys are being brought in who stick around and are taking spots. And Rocky, yeah. And, yeah. and as uh, Pat calls him, Ricky Johnson is one of them. Because I mean, your your boy Gurria is basically back on. Like he's in the oh, office no, 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 now, no, right? No, 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 no. Uh, to, to doing occasional oh, jobs. No, no, no. Oh no. Uh, no uh, Quite a few. Occasional. Quite a few. He was. He was. He was in a. T- we saw a little clip of him. Uh, maybe it was the Bob Trophy thing. I think he might have been hey, one of the Jabronis in the room. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was. It was him and uh, Steve yeah. Travis. Uh, this is the beginning. Oh, this is the beginning of it. it, it well, he's taken the he's taken Dom's role there, Kelly, yeah. the well, middle aged no, and crazy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he goes from Rick yeah. Martell to oh, he, Steve oh, he Travis. Does. Um, this is exactly what happened when I was like young and would watch it every now and then. I liked that guy. This was at the point where I was like, I'm starting to watch it every Saturday, and oh, I remember him. I liked him. He used to win. Why is he not winning anymore? <laughs> and. And and he continues to not win for another year and a half of me going, huh. <laughs> Right, okay. I'd be interested to see his results for 82. Yeah, Very Johnny fit. and Johnny and Cal went in, in uh in his corner. Hey. So 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 Pete, what did you make of uh what did you make of uh, old Johnson versus Mike Thompson? thought this was a great showcase for Johnson. It really mm-hmm. showed off how he was super athletic. It, it didn't even come across like a squash. It just seemed like a showcase match. Like, hey, come in, do all your cool shit and get over. And that's exactly what he did. I thought it was pre- to, to set the pace and get him over. I thought it was a perfect perfect, perfect match. I think he should have lost for D- D- DQ, DQ for punching. <laughs> o- openly punching in front of the ref and wasn't DQ'd. So that's where it's he's that's where it all started. Count. He's got the, a five the, the, count. Well, you're allowed to think punch five it. times before think you get out of it. No, think about it. 
Well, well, if you're booking this parv, and he got DQ'd with, by punching right off the bat. Uh, what a <laughs> shitty way of uh, man, people thought AJ Styles was getting buried by Jericho. Wait, 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 wait. Parv, parv, parv runs the the only promotion that ends in less than one day. No punching. It's immediately <laughs> none at all. You know, yeah, in Parv's world, Bruno couldn't get over it because he couldn't punch. Have they have they, have they? have they? Have you ever seen a match where they got a DQ for punching? Well, yeah, every, I, think I, every, I think I've ever seen one. If that, just for a, like an angle, angle, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. A, a few years ago, they were doing a, a, a shitty thing in WWE where the, the refs were suddenly start yeah. really enforcing the rules, and it was it was terrible. Right. Uh, Sounds crap. awesome. Well, when was that? Am I going back and watch that? That's one of the best oh, thing of all time. It was about three years ago. It, 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 and it was like... Yeah. Stone Cold Steve uh, Austin. Yeah. Ding, ding. Immediately was Matches on Raw that would end because the referees weren't taking any shit anymore. You know, and they were de- DQing guys for punches and stuff, and it, it stunk. Not breaking on 10 yeah. or whatever. Never mind. Never mind the punches. How about the the drop kick that Johnson? Oh, I was about Torres to say about, about I thought that, that was drop kick. Because he falls in the ropes, and it looks it looked to me like because that was his finish, like that drop kick, and he falls in the fucking ropes. This fat dummy, and it's all like it, it seemed like all confused. And Rocky looks legit pissed. I thought he always looks pissed, but he looked legit, legit, yeah. legit pissed. Uh, they finish the match, and reason, uh, and then he takes off, and he just like boom. He's like, right. I, I think he's hot about how that ma- how the finish went because it was very sloppy, and he takes off, and then they're like, "You're a winner, run!" And he has to come back into the fucking ring, get his hand raised, and then leaves again. He left that ring angry. And uh, I don't think he liked how sloppy that finish was. But yeah, I mean, thanks for mentioning the dropkick because that's really what his bread and butter was oh, for yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, that was an odd. Like, that was just a yeah. full blast dropkick to the face. Yeah, awesome. the first time I saw him, I remember he was, it might have been, uh, I, uh, yeah, it was, he was, it was sweet ebony diamond footage. And I had no idea it was Rocky Johnson. And, but right when I saw that dropkick, I'm like, oh, that's Rocky they, Johnson. They all look alike. Oh, well, he's wearing a uh, hood. Oh, oh, really? They put oh a so he had a bat. Yeah, that's why it's Sweet Ebony Diamond. He's well, no, Rocky Johnson. Bro- yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Sweet, yeah. Sweet yeah. Brown Sugar didn't have a mask. Um, so I'm thinking they just called this black guy this stupid name. Oh, oh he had a mask. Had a mask. Hmm. Well, that makes okay, slightly more sense. I want to call you this man. racist name, uh, then I'll be <laughs> Yeah, I was like, where's Sonny? Why am I getting, why am I thinking all black men are alike yeah, when he has okay, a mask? I amazingly apologize for my joke. What, what year is that, Pete? Uh, it was like but, 1980. But that lends to this. Yeah. Okay, this is the name we want to call you. Uh, I'm I'm not doing that unless I get to hide my face. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it was 19. You might know better, Kelly. What year was he? Sweet Emily Diamond. It was 1980. Yeah, 80, 80, 81. Could, yeah. could have been an angle. It could be, but Rocky Johnson, yeah, and we'll get to this in the future, Rocky Johnson had no time for what he perceived as Uncle Tom uh, uh, African-Americans. 
right? uh, was right, a yeah. very proud black man and hated the guys who did Shuck Tony Atlas would be who I'm talking about hated the guys who he thought made um, uh, uh, African Americans look bad with their ignorance so if he's working a sweet ebony diamond I would imagine you know I just have to think he's like well I'm going to wear a mask if I have to do that shit because I don't want my face associated with it I I I I want to say it's like a midnight rider deal. Oh, who knows? Now that would be great. Um, okay, shall we? Why do? Because they they ran that gimmick a lot, that angle in uh, in those southern territories. Like, yeah. So. But it seems like he came yeah, into Kelly the Carolinas or Sweden. Yeah. I I bet you. In fact, I re- I reckon if we looked around long enough, we could find an answer to why that was. Oh, uh, that, that, that Mid Atlantic yeah, website is pretty it's, good. It's, it's, so that's what so. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm playing the race card. Why'd you, you go to that forum on our own? I tell you, Johnny, there's a place where there's a place where you need to go. You know what? You know what? Please don't associate. Go to the forum where you can just jump to conclusions. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The Carolinas? Uh, yeah, real famous for their, their amazing uh, promotion of uh, black stars as serious. Shaska Watley uh, goes, I'm proud to be black and I'm proud of my uh, and my African ancestral. Oh, a top hat and a, a tie shirt. Da 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 da. Fuck you. I'm just okay, saying that it, it, it sounds it sounds like there's an it sounds to me like there's an angle involved. But you know, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will finish up on this footage. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of the Kevin Kelly Show right here on the Place to Be Nation, Place to Be Nation.com. The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. Place for Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to the Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes and PlaceToBeNation.com. You can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast, with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current day wrestling with main event, Mission Indie Possible, and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on WWE, NXT, and Ring of Honor Super Shows. And relive wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series, led by Ben Morse, and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. we got sports covered, too, with the Sports Evolution Mega Show with Scott, Dr. G, Cowboy, and Cowboy Sr., the Kings of Sport, led by Live Audio Wrestling's godfather, Nate Milton, as well as the NBA Team Podcast and the TJ McLoon Show. PTBN tackles pop culture and irreverence with Richard and the Mailman, the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, and if you like a hybrid of all of this in list form, check out Jordan Duncan's Rank and File. All of these shows are available on PlaceToBeNation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. We want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the pro wrestling only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network. 
where you'll find a ton of in-depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got Chris Zellner's one-two punch of Exile on Bad Street and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave. Goodwill Wrestling and the reaction shows with Good Old Will from Texas. We've got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow. Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show. Tag Team's Back Again with Kelly and Marty Slees. And a ton of other great shows too. And of course, there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. So welcome back, everyone. Um, and uh, why don't we do some plugs and things at this point? I think that's uh, probably the right time in the show to do it. So, um, d- d- Kelly, uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, well, yes, I have a new podcast, uh, solo. Uh, <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, it's called At the Garden. It's all about uh, wrestling at Madison Square Garden. It's um, they're short. It's going to be me talking for like 45 minutes per episode. Um, the first uh, it's not even a really an official episode yet, but the preview episode is out where I, I give a brief history of the early years of uh, Madison Square Garden wrestling. And the first official episode will be dropping in a couple of weeks and it'll be on Bruno Sammartino, um, the living legend, of course. Um, probably the, the biggest name associated with uh, MSG over the years, or one of them. And uh, it'll probably be like a four-part uh, thing, because I've got a lot of ground to cover. So, yeah, that's my uh, my thing right now. You had Marty drive you nuts, and you decided to go solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, something like that. <laughs> uh, Pete, anything to plug? Yeah, we have uh, Johnny and I are on this week with wrestling with my friend Timothy. Uh, uh, next week uh, will be me and Johnny. We're talking more about the WWE uh, camp, WWE that yeah, we both love. We're the only two. Edge and Christian show. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the only one who can laugh. I mean, come on. They make uh, no hair, no flair jokes. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Timothy and I will be looking at the ROH pay-per-view, uh, the uh, – a Revolution Pro show and uh, the Last Progress show and Lucha Underground. So we have a lot of interesting stuff to look at. And, uh, and I guess Johnny and I will be reviewing the NWA classics of uh, Ricky Morton versus Nick Bockwink. Nice. We'll do that one, Johnny. And uh, and uh, so we have that uh, coming out. I'm working on the Death Valley Drivers Best of the 80s Crockett set right now. I'm uh, chugging along. I've knocked out... Uh, 400 discs in like the last month, month and a half, which is just a uh, sick pace. Yeah. Um, and I've learned Terry Funk in 1989 probably was the greatest promo of all time. That run in Crockett was just <laughs> sick with his promo work. Um, but I hear through the grapevine, uh, Puerto Rico should be coming out pretty soon. So uh, be on the lookout for that maybe in the next month and month and a half. Johnny, anything? Uh, well, if you're in the uh, Longmont, Colorado area from this weekend until the middle of July, you can uh, come check me out at Jester's Dinner Theater, uh, appearing in The Music Man, where when uh, we had to do our bios and send our bios for the program uh, the other day, and uh, I, I put in, I'd like to thank uh, Louis Albano, Ernie Roth, uh, Frederick Blassie, <laughs> Virgil Runnels and Randy Papa for all of their inspiration 
because that's where I take all of my acting technique from. And uh, as far as the podcasts go, I want to plug Kelly's uh, new garden thing because the I heard the uh, uh, what, what what was it? New garden thing. What a plug. Uh, the new garden what, thing. The That's the, the alternate name. He shared that with me, what was it, about um, two months ago, bro? Uh, and Somewhere I there. just went apeshit about it to him saying, man, this is perfect. It's, 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 it's outstanding. And uh, everyone needs to listen to it. This is the, um, the really fun NPR-ish show we're going to have that already, uh, I think, is going to outclass everything. Uh, it's it's going to be fucking <laughs> fantastic. See, I'm, I'm your hype guy. I know. Give, give, us yeah. the proper t- give us the proper title, Kelly, again. Oh, At, at the, the Garden. garden. <laughs> at the that Garden, garden Show. Um, and, uh, <laughs> with uh, the Gardening Girl. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm... I've been back doing the Where the Big Boys Play shows, and uh, me and Chad should be getting together next week. We should be picking up the pace a bit more now as we get through uh, 92, so look out for that. And yeah, Chad, Chad's been watching some footage. What's going on here? How's he's found, where's he found time? He's been calling in sick, or the baby's been sick, or what? The kid? I, w- I will also say as well, um, oh yes, Twitter. At, at, at Jerry Von K is me. Or what's you, Pete? Oh, at Titans over Wrestling. And uh, you're on there as well now, Kelly. Yes, at MSG1880. Yeah, Are you on there, Johnny? I don't know what the fuck it is, like Jay Sorrow on Twitter, or <laughs> Titans one, because uh, I'm showing uh, Unity with Pete and not uh, going off. I'm doing a solo Twitter. Actually, I'm, I'm going to be making one for the comic book show uh, later on, but we'll get to that next time. Uh, if you want to get in touch with any of us, uh, you can contact us on there or on the board or. Um, via Facebook as well. There's or a Facebook page. A, the PW. And Pro Wrestling. Yeah, or apparently a cafe memory soon. <laughs> yes. No, not soon. It's underway already as we speak. <laughs> Parv and I are taking over. That'll be very hard since there's only like 15 people posting, I think. It's like you take. 55 were online last night. It's like bursting bursting into the nursing home. We're taking over, assholes. More more on kayfabe memories in a bit. So let's get back into the footage now because uh, Billy Graham is back. And Mm -hmm. um, he's got an axe to grind. Why don't you talk us through this, Johnny? This is one of the most famous uh, bits ever. This I did not see uh, in my youth at this time. Uh, the footage is very grainy, but that makes it even better. Billy Graham is back, and he's Kung Fu Billy Graham, but uh, and Bob Backlund's in the ring with uh, Sweet Hansen, the Titans' favorite. Yes, I know. Sweet's back. And uh, when they announced it's Sweet <laughs> Hansen, I was like, oh, wow. And... Uh, Billy Graham's he gets on the microphone, the announcer's microphone, but and he's talking like the old school Billy Graham, and he's like, so oh my, I'm like, oh my god, you know, before he totally fell apart, he still could talk, and he's like, uh, he's not the champion, I'm the champion, he's a fake champion, you know, and all that shit, but he sounds like old Billy Graham, so that's kind of cool, and he was walking around the ring, Bob's, you know. 
Sweet Hands is kind of just hanging out, and Bob's looking. And Superstar Billy Graham grabs Bob's belt. Then Sweet attacks, so he's got Bob's trying to handle him. And Billy Graham gets about. It eventually ends up with Billy Graham doing his best to break the belt. It's his belt, but now no, and he's smashing it, and he's having a really hard time trying to break this fucking belt. <laughs> and then he's trying to use his muscles to rip it apart, and it's not really ripping anything at all. He's he's struggling to rip that plate off. I mean, he, he's, if someone had brought him a crowbar, it would have been a merciful thing. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, and then he starts smashing. Finally, the plate pops off the fucking leather. Yeah. And... and He's like, you know, if you can't have the belt, if I can't have the belt, you can't have the belt. Bob rolls out of the ring, and he grabs the plate and what's left of his belt. You know, that could easily easily be repaired. Uh, and he <laughs> falls into the the greatest Lee Strasberg method acting performance I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Where he, Nancy Kerrigan ripped him off years later. And he starts going, <laughs> Why? <laughs> He's crying like Herman Munster. Well, going, Why? <laughs> and this is so gloriously awful that. <laughs> wow, we're, we're, only, we're only two hours in. Was that your first 70s TV tour? And, uh, and, but wow. here's the thing. On paper, this is awesome. You know, the, the, he returns. He grabs that belt because, you know, his foot was on the rope when he lost that belt. And fuck you, Backlund, and I'm back. And I'm going to smash this fucking belt. And it's going to make you angry and mad. And they do everything. Everything goes wrong with the belt breaking. And Bob Backlund's, his acting choice <laughs> is the worst of all time. <laughs> In his book, Bob says, yeah, this this didn't work. <laughs> he, he, he owns up to it being totally terrible. Um, I think because it's so terrible, I I I loved it. I love it. It's 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 awful. But but everything about it should have worked. This on paper, this should have worked, and it didn't. No, straight straight out of the William Shatner. Dude, school, William Shatner. Really, William Shatner would have said, "I think you need to tone it down a little." <laughs> <laughs> now i i want to say that james cut this off because i I've, i'm sure i've seen this before and it goes on way longer than uh like it's like really? two like two minutes or so of him just shouting why and crying. it ended at the perfect time where he was he hit the highest pitch you know, of you know, why whereas why you know, we, need, we need to somehow have the technology to put bob yelling why uh, at the right next to Charlton Heston on the beach at the end of a play of the Apes, <laughs> you did, you blew it up. Why? <laughs> now, now this is footage that uh, Titan should release now. You know that, that they should clean it up, and because I've only ever seen this in the most grainy footage possible, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'd quite like to see this in pristine HD, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, for sure. 
It was classic. Uh, he even even had an RG. RG. That was the first. Because Backlund had a Backlund had a gravelly <laughs> voice. Still does. He's back on WWF TV right now. Actually, uh, yeah. And, and this is why I'm hoping that maybe like that that him being back might cause them to you know, <laughs> to, to dig so. to dig this up. Yeah, get the, the DVD collection. Well, we better right? hurry it up quickly because I feel this angle is like six weeks of uh, <laughs> wrestling in life. But I love but, it. But you're, you're yeah. exactly right. He, he he looks at it, and he's just the saddest, jacked up Mickey Rooney ever. Oh gee, why? Oh man, Mwah. acting. Yeah. Uh, over awesome. to any any comment about this, Pete. I've never understood the motivation of destroying the belt if you want to win the belt or take the belt. Uh, I I mean, I understand if they obviously want to build a new belt, but I've just never understood the motivation of destroying the belt. You know, that he's like, this used to be mine, and I'll rip this fucking thing apart before I I let you have it now that I'm back. That makes sense. It's just how it happens. Yeah, I think the ultimate disrespect is winning the belt. I think the whole point is you want to win the belt. Uh, I, I just never understood it. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, it's a good, it's an easy way to get heat. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's supposed that. to be a holy I mean, grail that you don't fuck with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never. I mean, I, I understand that. I just just never understood. Well, so it's like they, this happened again a few years later when Valentine destroys. Yeah, they the did. I see those crying. I mean, we've seen but it. That yeah. worked. This didn't. I think it's better when uh, like the NWO did it when they spray painted. I felt that was disrespectful. G- G- Graham's line was that he shamed and disgraced the belt, so I guess he thinks the belt's been tarnished, so he wants to destroy it. Something, something along those lines. Um, I'm gonna kill it. It's, it's, it's been so shamed. I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle for ten minutes to try to destroy it. <laughs> Do you know, I, I would have loved to have done this about. Uh, God, a few years ago when that spinner belt, I hated the spinner belt so much. Yeah. I would have loved yeah. to have just, just yeah. done, destroyed <laughs> yeah. it like this. I agree. With uh, with Cena, with Cena crying in the background. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, they missed, missed a golden chance there. Yeah, I could. I reckon I could have got over, got over what, as a massive what, what, heel what, what, at that point, just destroying that Cena belt, destroying the, the Cena belt. That was done with that was RVD won it, and he would just like hold it up and he'd spin it and look at it like he was a stoner, go, "Hey, look, it spins," and it was like kind of disrespectful. Yeah. So it was the closest you were gonna get. They've done away with it. They've done away with that yeah, for quite long, some time. long ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It stopped spinning years before they got rid of it. Oh, it and and it, it um, sold about um, eighteen billion fucking copies. So there you go. Great. So let's go over to Rogers Corner now, uh, where Lou Albano is sitting with Rogers and Jimmy Snooker. Uh, why don't you talk us through okay, this? We're going. So this is the moment, Buddy Rogers. The emancipator of Fijian slaves, by the way. Uh, he's got Snook and Lou there, and uh, he's uh, he does. This is it, the big reveal, right? Okay, mm-hmm. and he reveals that Lou Albano has never been his manager. 
the, the paper's all bullshit, and he has stolen all of Jimmy's money. And Lou's all like, oh, fuck you, and takes off, and Jimmy kind of just sitting there like a statue. And, uh, and, and he, then we get to more later, but, right, because, uh, then we have Snooker versus Ray, uh, then we get the culmination of what happens yeah. in this interview. So let's go into this. Uh, it's Ray Stevens versus Jimmy Snooker. And immediately, I mean, I, I even think I put it in the Facebook chat. This is a pretty big uh, match for TV, I was thinking. No, no, um, no. This is a pretty course, big TV for match. <laughs> this is all angle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, you know, when you get a name match on TV, you're either going to see a title switch or an angle, basically. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, right, 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 Anyway, because when yeah, you're watching it on the TV, people. that's the first thing you thought too. So, yeah. so uh, well, anyway, what happens here is that Ray Stevens jumps uh, Snooker after an alca- after an altercation with Albano, and then he pile drives him <laughs> on the concrete. Uh, There's a blade job, yeah. And we get blood. He's Albano blood. Um, Don't forget, they're former former tag partners too. Yeah, that's true. He was, yeah, he was busted open from Albano um, before the pile driver. And what did Albano do to him? I mean, must have missed some. He just punched uh, no, him a couple he, times. He, Maybe he had. He pulled out a razor blade and cleanly sliced him. Yeah. Everyone saw it because he's Lou Albano. Well, this is a legendary blade job. Um, but this segment was totally edited, butchered at the end. Um, it was actually two pile drivers, and we only saw one. Then you just see a big pool of blood on the concrete but in wrestling magazines there's pictures of jimmy just drenched in blood from head to toe from this um and we didn't get to see that unfortunately muted by the censors james James i I watched this (laughs) on a saturday afternoon uh remember it as clear as day my best friend brad because we had wwf on two different stations because uh, we got the Philly stations and the New York stations. The Philly... I thought, I thought Wolfman was your best, best no, friend. No, no, no. Brad, Brad has been my best friend since we were in fucking kindergarten. Okay. Uh, uh, it's the first time we've heard of him. It's all been Wolfman no, and Wolfman. No, no, Wolfman, Wolfman is one. <laughs> no, no, Wolfman, Wolfman is like one, of my, one of my closest, dearest friends, who was my biggest like wrestling fan friend that I grew up with. Me and Brad grew up together from kindergarten to this day. We're still brothers uh but he fell out of wrestling so that's why i've never talked about him but at the time he watched and i'm i hadn't well i was gonna watch the five o'clock uh show and not the uh, on new york station not the philly one so i'm outside playing with some other friends brad could ride his bike down he said did you see wrestling i'm like no i'm gonna watch it later he's like oh jimmy Sugar got all bloodied I'm like oh it's crazy and he's like, yeah, but some old mother. He was like, some old motherfucker gave him the worst pile driver ever. And and he's like, what? Well, he's like, some, he, they call him the Crippler. I was like, oh, that guy. And he's like, I gotta show you how. And he had me like lean down and I, you know, some pile driver. And I'm like, don't really do it, asshole. 
And he's like, no, trust me, I'll show you. And he <laughs> just like rolls, lifts me up a little bit and then just rolls over. You know, just like boom. I'm like, that was it? Yeah. I watched 5 o'clock. All I saw was that one pile driver. I was like, that's devastating. And then suddenly there's blood everywhere. And for if I called him right now and said, Ray the Crippler pile driver, he'd die laughing because it just became a huge running joke. Because we not, did not, like I mentioned before, we didn't have any idea about this guy's past. It was just this old fat loser who just destroyed our biggest, you know, the guy that we already were totally into Snuka at the time. It was like, yeah, that's fake. <laughs> we were totally, totally down on the whole fucking thing. Rewatching it now, it's amazing television. <laughs> we totally shit on it when we were kids. What did you think about the technique on the pile driver, Pete? Yeah, it was what it was. I, 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 I'm not a guy who gets all caught up in execution too much. I mean, I'm more of a, if it's part of the story, cool. I mean, it's got to be pretty fucking god-awful ugly for me to cringe. Uh, but this was close. It was borderline. <laughs> so uh, we, we go over to Roger's Corner now, and I've just written in my notes, Bonnie Note, because uh, we, we have a... We have yes. Jimmy Snuka with, a, with his neck, with his neck and yes. his head bandage, and I, I just said no, his head right, as well right, as his neck and bandage. Harkening back to the top, the the the, the, the top <laughs> of his head should have been had had the maxi pad on top of it. No, his right. forehead had the maxi pad. So the argument was all about doesn't hurt the top of the head. So yeah. If your friend had hit that pile driver, you would have hit, hurt no, it. No, no, the trust me, uh, no one got hurt with that fucking pile driver. This is the, the worst <laughs> pile driver of all time. Ray the Crippler. We would do that in the middle of parties. <laughs> We'd go, Ray the Crippler, and someone would bend over, and then the other way would just fall down. <laughs> We'd laugh. Uh, <laughs> and, okay, so... <laughs> Buddy Rogers has accepted uh, that he's going to be Jimmy Snuka's uh, manager now. And his big thing that he said to Lou was, you don't even have a contract. And he picks up Snuka and he goes, we'll never have a contract. Give me a hug. <laughs> I'm like, he, boy, this, this, he's just getting fucked by both these assholes. No. He, he did say he's not going to take a dime, take a dime him, and we won't have a contract, just like Lou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a trusting dummy. Uh, and then we learn on the next edition of Rogers Corner that Lou Albano has bought out fifty percent of uh, Stevens's contract, so Stevens is now going to be co-managed by Albano and Blessy. That was actually that's what do you think a of this? cool bit that explained that he's, he's explaining that I, this was all planned for a while and that's how evil Lou Albano is. Uh, that was good. I and I also think it's kind of cool that you're you're such an awesome wrestler that both managers don't want you so bad that they're willing to share you. It kind right. of gives, makes it gives them a better more of a more special awe. It's kind of like a, like an evil team up. Except in when a way. you looked at Ray Stevens, totally. <laughs> Yeah, and I think behind the scenes, part of the deal was that they were having trouble getting Stevens over as a top heel, and I think they maybe added the extra manager to as like a last-ditch last effort, because they were planning on using him as a Bob challenger at the big cities, but they, they ended up uh, 
uh, scrapping that plank well, Stevens I, was getting over. I've, I've got a note here. Rogers is not over. Stevens yeah. is not over. But, yeah. uh, but this is and, this is the height of what we talked about earlier. Uh, Buddy Rogers, hard-boiled investigative reporter, as he's like, I investigated this, and I have found out the attack was planned two weeks before the attack. Lou Albano owns 50% of Ray, according to my sources. <laughs> it's just, all he needed was the hat and a trench coat. Or, 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 or you, you meddling kids. Yeah, or say, off Lou yeah, Albano. Or, you know, he's smoking <laughs> a cigarette in a shadow corner. And he's, <laughs> it's come to my attention, doll, that uh, Albano owns 50% of Ray's contract. Is that true? <sighs> What, what, what I love about this uh, whole angle is the kind of 60s Batman element to it. It's like you can imagine like the Penguin and the Riddler teaming up uh, right. it, from that show, you know, that uh, version that, of them. Isn't that, isn't that my, what my point was earlier? It, it, was, it was, but I, I always imagine the three wise men as, right. as, as kind of like yeah, super villains from that show. I was getting a kick out of it because I'll make a point sometimes. Then you, like, like, re- then you take my point and make it your own but put a different little spin on it. <laughs> That's called academia. Okay, let's go to the next match because it's Jeff Graney versus uh, Jeff Don Morocco. Um, and my one note here is that I just love how uh, Joe McHugh says Magnificent oh, Morocco. He, that's his best. That's his, um, you know, Capetta's got This Is Sting. That oh, is McHugh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. The magnificent There's no R's, which is amazing. Oh, no, there is a Morocco. That's right. But yeah, he, him going, yeah. the magnificent Morocco. That's, that's his Mona Lisa. Now, <laughs> my, my one, obviously this was just another squash, um, but where is Morocco? I didn't notice Morocco was gone. They kept on going on about how he's been away Georgia, for a while. Right? When did he go? He was gone, yeah, Georgia. He was gone for most of the year, um, and got he was part of the Piper face turn in Georgia. Big angle, yeah. Yeah, and then he left right after that. So um, much, how much I was paying. I thought we were still the IC champ. No, no, <laughs> like, like we would say, we're looking at guys returning, new guys coming in. Uh, there's like a sweep of like out with the old, in with the new, while Vince Junior is is basically taking over. Mm-hmm. Where's Pedro? He's IC champ. Like, have we been watching? Have we yeah, been he's watching? Still IC champ. I thought they were still married to each other. I mean, matches that just weren't even making the company. Oh no, they're having a, a, a yeah, second yeah, marriage. Their second, second marriage <laughs> is coming up. Oh, yeah. No, this was um, Pedro was feuding uh, shortly uh, for a small amount of time with Snuka. Kelly, you pointed that out last time. Uh, yeah, we just don't have okay. any of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's fixing, and he's fixing to work, uh, buddy. Yep, so what, like Mor- Morocco, what left in March, April sort of time, and now he's like he went to Georgia for the summer, or was it for like longer? Uh, I think he left in January or so. So it's been oh. nine nine months or so. Yeah. Great. Shows how much pet attention I paid, isn't it? <laughs> like I had no idea yes, that he was gone. Does. Oh well. Well, he, he was he was missed, wasn't he? Yes, he was. You know, um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> So there's going to be more Morocco Pedro stuff. Yes, there yep. will be. I'll tell you uh, one thing, crappy worker, but I mean, just even him showing up, you know, he has, dude has tons of charisma. I mean, oh yeah, 
He looked like yeah. a million bucks. He looked awesome. Yeah, he, looked like, he looked incredible. He, uh, yeah, he's still, still probably a shitty worker. Um, uh, but I mean, yeah, but uh, but it makes he seemed important on on, oh, on yeah. the team. And the, the tan, the whole look, Lu, he just looked Lu, like Lu a superstar. is a genius, and he's reinforcing his troops as he knows shit's about to go down. <laughs> he, he's managing to ball well, off no, the roster at this no, point. Yeah. He's gone. He planned on this, so he calls you know, his old guy who's down there, and right. he's brought him back. And, and then I, we're going to see the just... tag. I was just thinking, at this point, is Blassie stable like half of Ray Stevens? Who else has he got in his... Uh, uh, I guess he's got John Studd as well coming up. So, mm-hmm. one and a half wrestlers for Blassie. <laughs> um, Wizard has hardly anybody at this point. Who's Wizard? Wizard has got... Buddy Rose. Uh, Buddy Rose, yeah. Okay. All right, so let's go over the next match, which is... Does, he have, does he have superstar Billy Graham again, or no? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, he Wizard, does, yeah. Wizard has got Graham, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's Devious Torture versus the Strongboat. Um, <laughs> that is, of course, Fuji and Sato. Yeah, well, I, I, you've got our overpeat. You've repeated it enough times to get it over. Yeah, I used it on tag teams back again a couple of weeks ago. There you go, boys. Um, and, uh, I mean, I just written on my notes, by far the best wrestlers on the roster of Fuji and Sato, in my view. <laughs> Uh, so there we go. Um, any thoughts on this match, uh, Pete? It was a basic tag match. You give it like two and a half stars. You know, it was like a shine and a, and a heat segment. I mean, uh, Sayido and Fuji are really uh, so much better than every roster, pretty much every heel team. Maybe, maybe, except for May. Uh, yeah, they're better than the Moon Dogs. I thought they were better than the Valiants. I think they they are by far the best heel team we've seen. Um, they just complement each other. With Saito, it just brings it as a great worker. Fuji, you know, he has enough tricks in his bag to be uh, to be carried. I don't want to say carried, but um, but he's good, but he's good in his role. Okay. Um, is yeah. he an incredible worker? I mean, he might make somebody's top hundred list. Okay, look at this, You know, the okay. criticism that people give the Fantastics is that Tommy Rogers was the, the guy who was a great worker, and Bobby Fulton was charismatic, but he sucked. It's not true. Flip that to a heel thing here. You have Mr. Saito, who's the, the worker, and you have Mr. Fuji, who, hey, he ain't great, but he's got so much charisma and, and knows how to work a crowd. Mm-hmm. That they've got that dynamic. Right, and he, and he has this token, and he has this token spot yeah. to get over. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he's, he, he worked harder than anyone else we've seen on this card so far in this match. Yeah, and he's also the guy who usually, he's the one who uh, fucks up the heat uh, because he's the lesser of the two. And uh, But yeah, I but, enjoyed but he the also, match, uh, as a heel, he also fucks up the heat because Mr. Saito is not out in, in, not in there pointing at his head about how smart he is. You know, he's just muscle. It's always, it always should be the heel who's like, I am so smart and devious that should get you're hoisted on his own petard. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, need, you need a feel, and that's that's his role. Yeah, no, he play. I, yeah. Like I said, he does play his role well. I, but I mean, just Saito is incredible. However, tragedy struck in this match as Chief J Strongbow hit one of the worst Thez presses of all time, and there was a terrible fast count 
as devious torture was screwed. I didn't think the Thespress was that bad. <laughs> yeah, I uh, thought it was perfectly fine. Part, terrible Thespress. That's bias against yeah, Strongbow. Now, I'm terrified about Strongbows versus Samoans. That just sounds <laughs> terribly scary. Well, we're going to see how good uh, the Strongbows really on our one there. Yeah, this is going to turn the book and slam it yeah, shut on the Strongbows, I think. Oh, uh, Parv, if you, if you got in with Old Man Strongbows' balls, wouldn't you just lay <laughs> there and take the one, two, three and go back to Vern? Uh, no, I'm done. <laughs> that's gotta be tor- that, well, that's torture. That was well, torture. Talking of uh, t- t- detective yeah, work now, uh, old uh, old sleuth Parv has been at it because after the match, uh, Strongbow cuts a promo, a, a, ra- a largely incoherent yeah, right. promo, it has to be said. <laughs> But in this promo, he says Billy. In fact, he says Billy in the manner of Rocky yep. saying Adrian. <laughs> it's like Billy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Billy, were, Billy, were coming home, and I was like, "What? Billy, who? Who is it? And I was thought, "What could Strongbow be getting at?" And of course, his last tag partner when he had the belts was Billy Whitewall. The uh, A.K.A. Um, Sheik Adnan Al Casey. Yeah, A.K.A. Sheik Adnan Al Casey. Um, so I was like, well, could he possibly be talking about Billy Whitewolf? And I uh, I went over to um, Kayfabe Memories, because this is a perfect question to ask that ball. Wouldn't you agree, Kelly? Oh, yes. It's tailor-made for him. And we had a number of different reactions uh, mm, to like that. Number, like three or That's how many? Number. Three. Uh, no, well, I got wait, about eight or so. Eight, eight, oh, eight. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's that was hot. That's a hot kayfabe memory. Is, is yeah. And, well, this guy, Ed Beta One, who uh, says this, I guess I really need to get back to watching my old Betamax tapes. <laughs> because... <laughs> and, and, and it's Betamax, by the way. Uh, because I had not thought about this for many years. But, yes, Chief J made reference to Billy Whitewolf after winning the belts. I do remember this distinctly. By the way, after White Wolf left the territory after having his neck severely injured by Kempatera, he went to wrestle in, I believe, Hawaii. One of the more well-known local fans from Pennsylvania, who was a very good friend of mine, had copies um, made of newspaper clippings showing the Indian wrestling in Hawaii. Obviously uninjured, distributing them to many people at different shows. The boys became very upset with this fan as word spread um, concerning about what he had done. And I know for a fact that Tanaka took him aside one night and gave him a stern lecture on how important kayfabe was to their business. This guy definitely never did anything like this again. So Professor Tanaka took this guy's friend out the back and told him not. Professor Tanaka took a a, a smart, basically an internet dick of the day before the internet. Was walking around shows, passing out information to people who maybe didn't even want to look at it. See? 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 And Professor Tanaka had to take him out back and go, listen, asshole. I'm sure it wasn't like, we, I need to speak to you about the importance 
of keeping kayfabe. No, he, he, he had a, a thumb up his asshole while squeezing his nuts, going, you're no dog, pass out. You know, I, I wish <laughs> Professor Tanaka could just travel through the internet, you know, just like, like Matrix style, and pop out of people's screens when they're being assholes, and fuck them up and tell them to shut the fuck up. It's great. Like, like a, like hey, a hey, hey, LP, shut up. You know I'm talking like an asshole anymore. <sighs> Ed, Ed Peter, basically like a, his mate was like a 1976 version of Bix, basically. By the time you yeah. <laughs> the, the, the same guy was at the Harley race, Bob Backlund, uh, and it was spoiling <laughs> the finished uh, other uh, races, I mean, other I, challenges. Could you imagine that, that, that? That's is. Part of you blown my mind. I can't imagine. And there were guys back in the day who would pass out dirt sheets to try to get you to subscribe or to look at shit, and it was always bullshit. <laughs> imagine a guy who he's like, I I need I need to break this fucking story. <laughs> you know what I saw? My and, and forcing it. He's like 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 the, people like putting shit on your windshield. Stuff <laughs> stuff worse. And this was this. And this happened in Hawaii, right? No, no. The, the guy, the, he it happened in Pennsylvania. So he, oh, okay, so, okay, okay. But he had clippings from Hawaii. So. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. Now I was gonna say it makes it even worse. And, it was and, in and, Hawaii. and that no, man's okay, name, Rocky Raymond. <laughs> 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 well, I've been telling you, Johnny, you need to be, you need to, you need to be on oh, kayfabe really memories, man. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> is where it's all happening. Uh, you know, speculation about... Yeah, but, but, but isn't that one uh, of those places where what? if you, like, joke around too much, they get all fucking angry? No, they, 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 no, they, they don't even talk enough for that. It's oh, all that's like, the you other know, one. That's the other one. Was, that's the other one. Okay. It, that's it's, wrestling yeah, class. Yeah, yeah, it's that's, much that's, more like... Yeah, Kelly, you're right. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. It, it, Kayfabe Memories is much more like kind of... I wonder where S.T. Jones was in July of 1982. Yeah, okay, okay. I was getting some... mixed up with that one Kelly mentioned there, where I know there's like all kinds of really <laughs> weird, fucking weirdos. Uh, oh yeah, yeah no, that's it's, it's an awesome website because there's so much cool stuff on it, but it's just not nearly enough traffic, you know. They they, they don't really discuss stuff. It's more like facts, basically. Oh, okay. But um. Yeah. What, Our newest what, sponsor, um, what did, Rain Man, hangs out there. They, wait, wait, wait do they, what wait, did you do make a of? Thread? <laughs> who? Uh, yeah. We, 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 yeah, we, there's a thread for us. Yeah. We, we posted our shows yeah, but, there. But it's in the WWE section. It's not in the uh, uh, WWF section. It's not in the like on pro wrestling only publications. No, no, no. If we want to, no, no. to break free from our oppressors and start fresh, <laughs> should we just go there? And be like, hey. <laughs> did, yeah, did, did, did Johnny. Johnny is the sort of place where most of the most of the user base don't even know what a podcast is. Like, I'm, I'm, and I'm not even joking. Um, so, you know, well, like, Wait, I, I like. Anyway, and some people know me. That, like, I posted that thing, and the guy called me Parv in the in the in the thread, which uh, surprised me. So, anyway. Um, what did you think of uh, Jay Strongbow here referencing Billy Whitewolf seven years after the fact? Do you think it was good continuity? You know, or? Yeah. yeah. 
I think it's a I think I think it's a grudge. I think it's like, look, we have the belts again, haha, ha, with a different partner. I think it's like in your no, face. No, 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 no. I think what happened was that probably on promos building to the match, they started or Jay started talking about how, you know, the last time he had the tag belts, my partner was hurt and couldn't wrestle anymore. And, you know, now I'm gonna win the belts back five years later, however I long it's didn't, been. Didn't someone say and, exactly what it was? Well, that was my oh, okay. hypothesis. Oh, I'm you, sure you it's said. something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because then they would say, because as far as the fans in the Northeast went, uh, Billy White Wolf never wrestled again. His career was over. So they used it as, like, an emotional hook to uh, to uh, for the title. She also added for the in, we can go home. We can yeah, go home. Right. And, and, and the, guy on, uh, the guy on Kayfabe Memories said something about, um, yeah, that, um, was it Billy White Wolf was on the reservation and that was the home they were <laughs> referring to, right? It better be. God. Just boggles my mind that the, uh, I like, like the kayfabe world of, uh, the, the, the kayfabe universe, the WWWF universe at this time, uh, well, is quite know, interesting to think about, became, isn't it? He yeah. became a backstage agent for a long time. Maybe, you know, despite all of his flaws, he had a sense of oh, we're gonna, this, this is a great angle because this is a really good angle mm-hmm. yeah, it's not bad yeah. they, they could have I mean they could have played like a uh, like a black flag uh, of him and White Wolf maybe they did maybe they yeah, did on TV yeah. but, they probably yeah. did they probably showed the injury to, uh, from the swinging neck the crowd was ecstatic when they won which yeah. makes me think maybe they did show something they got because I, I know I read this uh, one, and one of you guys said that one of the uh, kayfabe memories guys didn't they do like we're going to sit down in the ring until we get our last shot yeah yeah oh, they yeah, took, yeah. Over, took over a TV show where they just sat in the ring and the referees and other officials would come in trying to get them to get out of the ring but they wouldn't leave until they got a it was like, title shot me, but they yeah won. so yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I guess we don't have that episode. <laughs> no, uh, I haven't. I can't, I've just heard about it. I've never even seen it before. Yeah, I'm guessing if James couldn't get it, he couldn't get it. If it's just not available, you know. Yeah. Um, so, Vince, if you're listening, we need to see that. I don't listen to this yes. shit. <laughs> Um, uh, anyway uh, I've just written in my notes here Christ the Samoans are back yeah but it's badass oh god Pete can you can you wait for the Samoan strongbow tags I I thought I said earlier no yeah I'm not looking forward Uh, to the matches myself but I'm saying the way Lou Albano is like the worst pimp in the world. As soon as one of his whores gets ruined, he drops him like a <laughs> fucking motherfucker and brings in either his his favorite old whores or some new fucking whores. Because they lose, fuck you, and he brings in his old fucking henchmen, and this leads to. The the Samoans not maybe their greatest matches, but they're definitely greatest promos with with crazy Lou Albano. So it's good stuff. I also get a kick out of Albano's last run as a manager was managing uh, Samoans, the Samoans again in like what was it ninety something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head shrinkers. Is Sato done though? 
Ah, uh, yes. He, he did the favors. Okay, but food, mm-hmm, foodies, yeah. food, foodie sticks around. Obviously. Oh yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. Well, I noticed that too, Barb. And the reason why is because Said was leaving and Foodie's not. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But so is Foodie still part of uh, Albano's stable? No. no, he's gonna be motioned into like the jobber role, like uh, uh, like he'd be the Baron to uh, to uh, yeah, a little higher up though because he's got yeah, essentially a little yeah. higher up though because uh, him and Tiger Chung Lee and uh, but no, but but <laughs> oh, there's yeah, stuff right. that le- with the with the slaughter turn, uh, you know, so. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, so now it's uh, Steve King versus Big John Studd, and um, I don't have a bio for John Studd because he didn't make the book. Anyone got any? But we're not going to talk about Pete Sanchez and Charlie Brown. Oh, was, there was a match. Yeah, the Samoans, the Samoans sorry, beat I, up Pete oh, Sanchez. Sorry, <laughs> the returning Charlie Brown. Yes. Sorry, all I wrote in my notes was Christ, the Samoans are back, and I must have skipped the match. So. Yeah, I did. I did uh, the same thing, brother. Um, carry on. Yes, there was a there was an actual match. Charlie Brown uh, of all Samoa. these people returning in 1982. Charlie Brown thought this is my shot, and it didn't work out. <laughs> I love his choice of brown trunks, so it makes him yeah, look like he's naked. Brown. Basically, he looks like a black Ken doll. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Brown, yes. I don't, he, he was on one of the early right, Titan right. shows, wasn't he? Uh, a while ago, oh, yeah. yeah. Someone did a bio, I thought. Huh? Did. I, did a, I did a bio. I did a bio. And by someone, I usually... It's not right out of a book. The only man who would. <laughs> I did a bio of Pete Sanchez, too, oh, back in the day. Yep. Fine work. I remember the Pete Sanchez one. <laughs> <laughs> And, and there's uh, another guy coming up, Steve I King. I did a bio. I remember the Steve King one as well. Or was that Steve Travis? No, I did. Actually, I did Steve and Travis Steve as well. Which R- one was Rookie of the Year? Rookie of the Year, yeah. Yeah, Rookie of the Year. That was the first Titans that we did together. Well, let's move on then. Steve King versus Big John Studd. I just wrote in my notes, it looks like Big John Studd is packing. What they say about steroids isn't true after all. Because uh, I, I, it, it, it was kind of like Bowie and Labyrinth levels of, uh, you know, you could really see his package uh, well, here. His name is Big John Stud. That's that. Should, That's a shoot, brother. But it's also yeah. a poor. I was looking down. I, I, I was looking up, and I thought visually the dude looked so huge. I mean, it was actually a pretty impressive yeah, visual. And, and, uh, and so oh, was his height. Um, <laughs> Big John Stud to me sounds like a porn name. Uh, Johnny Wad, John yeah. Holmes was a thing yeah, at yeah, this time. Totally. Uh, yeah. I, there might be some correlation there. I think there. Now that you mention it, there there is probably yeah. And by the by the way, there's there's a, oh, oh it is. Uh, you know, just about to say the same thing. Big John Stud, whether you think he's a shitty worker or not, and he can could be, it's one of the great wrestling names. Yep. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, I don't think there's a lot to say about this match, really. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's stud, Steve King. You do the math, as they say. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> but again, another um, new arrival. Yep. Yes, and I, I thought this was just a, you know, is he does he get a run with Backland? Uh, he has a match with Backland coming up at MSG, but the big thing in 83 for stud is, uh, he feuds with Andre of and they course. do the big, the, the body slam challenge on TV, uh, which I think will, uh, provide us with a lot of entertainment in the coming months. How many times did they do stud versus Andre? That was kind of, uh, well, worn I mean, like, yeah, I mean, they did it every run, I think here. Yeah. And, yeah. and then when he came back in 89, they made stud yeah. base, base and Andre yeah. was, Oh, yeah. Yep. It, 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 and, and of course, the, uh, come 85, or <laughs> uh, 845, the no reference to that had ever existed before. Yeah. Of course not. Of course. That's when Vince was really in charge. Hmm. Erasing history. Although although I will say, I mean, I mean, maybe we'll one day we'll review it. Um, when Hogan comes back, they do reference his earlier, his earlier run. Um, right at the yeah, beginning, yeah. Right at the beginning, and that really shocked me that they didn't act like he'd never been there before. He was like, "Oh, I've changed my ways, well, brother." Yeah, all sort of yeah, stuff. They, they had to do with that initially, but and then it was like, "Boom, that's it." Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but of course they didn't reference the body slam when he uh, when he body yeah, slammed Andre. So. so we. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that was six years later. Yeah, hell no. Okay, so let's move on because now we have a dream match on paper. Ray Stevens versus Kurt Hennig. Doesn't that look amazing on paper? Yep. However, in reality, we've got an over-the-hill Ray Stevens and a young jobber to the stars, Kurt Hennig, uh, which kind of results in a pile driver. So I don't think there's a lot to talk well, about. I, I, I think you're wrong, sir. I enjoyed this one a lot. I mean, oh, they didn't really? get much time, yeah, but I thought, I thought Hennig was a real good fired-up face. I thought Stevens made... Uh, give Henning enough to give him, make him real credible, you know, as a jobber. And I thought Stevens, like in that bump into the corner, I thought that's like what I was talking about, where he's showing like bursts of greatness, where it looked like he got up for the big bump. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, then he, you know, uh, it was just then we go pretty much into the finish, but we got about three or four minutes of really hot action. And uh, I thought, I thought Henning was really looked like a real credible face, like he's a guy who can move up on the cards, and I thought Stevens looked pretty good, like he had showed flashes of uh, of, of, of uh, greatness, like having this like really entertaining uh, underneath match. Wait, okay. How, how, how many stars you go on it? Oh, no, I mean, it's only three, three and a half minutes. I mean, I can't give it a star rating. You're going to have to, you couldn't possibly bastardize his system by <laughs> <laughs> I mean, TV match? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I, I would call it a really good t- television match, you know. Okay. But not enough time to do a real story. It was pretty much rookie gets a little uh, shine right off the bat, and then heel cuts him off and gets some heat, and they go to a finish. But it was well done. Well, it was competitive I- for the three and a half minutes it was. I was I was wondering if we could give Kurt Hennig a little mini bio here. I, 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 he is in the, he is in well, the heels. One thing before <laughs> you get to it, uh, I thought this was neat. We always people always think Kurt Hennig 
you know, was not a WWF guy until Mr. Perfect, but he was here before this. He's here at, on this level and leaves and then eventually then comes back. Kurt Hennig sort of like has been always a WWF guy, just at different levels that he was brought back, if you know what I mean. It, it, up to him, his last run as a veteran, you know, always in and out of, of the, right. the promotion. Yeah, that's true with the, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? What? Well, one, one that he was born did not have. <laughs> he was born in March twenty uh, eighth, nineteen fifty nine, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, growing up as the second son of Harry and Irene Hennig. Kurt enjoyed a lot of golf, hunting, and fishing, as well as sports. And of course, he was amazing at all of those things. Uh, he wrestled in high school, then junior college, before he talked about going into wrestling. Uh, he had to get himself into a situation physically and mentally in order to do that. And then he uh, go out and pay the price, said his father, who helped to train Kerr, and hugged him up for Vern Garner's wrestling camp, where the only ever notable graduate was Brad Wanigan's. Uh, Hennig was, uh, I'm just reading that, Vern Garner's wrestling camp, where the only ever notable graduate was Brad Wanigan's. That must have been just like a one, like an actual camp thing, because surely yeah. they don't mean... Surely they don't mean the Virgani school. He's trained more than anyone else, isn't he? Just that class, probably. Just, just, yeah, just that thing. Kind of like when they named the, the Flare class or the, the Steamboat class. Like the Steamboat class was Steamer, Buck, Rock and Roll Buck, Zoomhoff, Scott Irwin, and then there's one other guy. I just can't remember the name off the top I think of Buddy head. Rose was in that one. What, wasn't the Sheiky Baby? Not the Steamer one. I think he was in between somewhere. It was what, like, was, wasn't Sheiky with them? He was teaching. Okay. All right. Um, well, Kurt Hennig was a babyface from his debut on January the 30th, 1980. He was a good-looking young stud with talent to match. Besides Garnier's American Wrestling Association, Hennig had early stints in the WWF as an opening match grappler and in Portland, Oregon, where he latched on to Playboy Buddy Rose. He always told me that he learned more from me than anyone else, not counting his dad, I'm talking about real attention to detail. Everything from day one when he came out here to Portland, said Rose. In <laughs> way Portland... To, way to put yourself over. <laughs> in Portland, the Hennigs, real, um, the Hennigs reigned as tag champs for a short while, which the Axe considers a career highlight. In the AWA, after a championship run... Um, in fact, we know the rest, basically, so I won't get any further. We've got up to this part in his career. Um, so that, that's it, basically. Um, so, yeah, yeah, but, not... uh, but that's true. Uh, they always said, like, Kenny, and there's one other guy, they always said, always said, what would Buddy Rose do? Uh, was like a question. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, he was a big influence on Kurt Hennig. Yeah. Well, the big uh, okay, well. Well, uh, they traveled together when they were in the WWF. <laughs> And then they were in Portland. They traveled yep. together there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, yep. so that it was like a big. I forget if there was one other guy. I can't remember who the other guy was. But it was heading, and it might have been Eddie Gilbert for all I know. I always said, "What would Buddy Rose do?" Uh, they always used that he as would, the he, example he, of what uh, as he like would tape what a, everything. He would tape everything and then not share it with anybody. Of, co- of course, um, Kurt was a legendary ribber, as we all know. And I'll just read this one bit. Um, uh, it, it just says um, he, he would always feign that he had nothing to do with the rib, 
said Ed Wiskowski. He'd always imitate Charlie Chan. Oh, big investigation. We find out who do this. Me, Charlie Chan. We find out we call Mr. Fuji. So apparently that was his deal, that he'd always, he'd always do that. So Yeah, like uh, when I went to the Jake Roberts show, he mentioned about uh, the where Dynamite gets his teeth knocked out by the Rougeos was it was like Henning uh, the, the story was that Henning was involved but Jake actually expanded on it a little bit more as in Kurt actually uh, padlocked his own bag and said damn those bulldogs got me again and then they went in and uh, they uh, Henning had did that to the Rougeos and but they made it he made it seem like it was the but bulldogs so, and that's someone had where cut all that up, actually someone had used scissors on someone's uh, gear and shit. And it was Hennig, and he uh, yeah. and he set up the uh, the Bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah. And it, quite interesting that he, he was against Ray Stevens uh, here, because uh, you could probably draw a line from Stevens to Hennig in terms of their bumping style. Um, yeah. Because Hennig was a massive bumper later on in his career. Um, and now he has a match with Eddie Gilbert, uh, who I also have... Uh, some notes on because um, have we seen Eddie Gilbert before? Not here. He's one of my, he's he Eddie um, Gilbert he, is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Well, he he made he made the heels book as well, which I I think is a tiny bit surprising given it, the selections that Greg Oliver tends to make for this book. But he's in the section called the Connivers with the likes of. Uh, Tully Blanchard and um, Ripper Collins and various other people in here. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Eddie Gilbert has a bio. Uh, Big John Studd did not make the book, but Eddie Gilbert did. Um, so I'll just, uh, he debuted in um, uh, 1979 in Malden, Missouri, and was a fan favorite at first, earning his spurs with a lot of blood. Gilbert team with Ricky Morton against Mr. Anita and Masafuchi in an infamous 1981 concession stand brawl in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, Tupelo. which I think uh, we, Tupelo, yeah, we've, we've seen that, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah. Tupelo concession yeah. stand. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 that's, famous one, yeah. That's a, that's a good match. Um, uh, Eddie and Ricky Morton really established themselves as tough country boys with that angle, said friend and Memphis manager Scott Bowden. Uh, they went into the uh, about um, pretty boys. They left men who were fighting for America against the evil Japanese who had invaded their backyard. Gilbert moved to the WWF in 1982, mostly on the bottom half of the card, and his life changed the following year when he was involved in a near-fatal car accident in Allentown, uh, Pennsylvania, after a TV taping. Upon returning to Tennessee, he found his niche as a cocky upstart heel, uh, with a turn on tag partner Tommy Rich, um, so we we got up to this point in yeah. his um, uh, career. Yeah, well, they, they don't even mention it. They, that that car accident, they made a Bob Backlund's protege, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, and they did an angle off it with Mass Superstar. Yep. And yep. also, and uh, again, yeah, no, yeah, Johnny. You uh, also, story. Eddie was already getting fucked up left and right, uh, partying, doing tons mm-hmm. of drugs. And uh, and that was one of the reasons why the uh, Bob you know, was supposed to handle him, and was like, nope, yep. not gonna do it. Yep. You know, this kid's too already fucked yep. up on drugs. Did Bob touch about yeah. it in the oh, book? That's what. Yes. No, I, I called yeah. him the yeah. other day. Like, yeah. 
I really yeah. need to finish reading the book. Parv, have you gone finished reading it yet? It's not chapter two, mate. It's one of the best wrestling books ever done. Let's, uh, let's carry on here because it's Kurt Hennig versus Eddie Gilbert. And um, just before we just before we go into this, Pete, why why, why do people uh, love Eddie Gilbert so much? You, you always hear good psychology. I mean, he had some really famous angles, like the, the putting the Russian flag on Bill Watts, the stuff with Jerry Lawler in, in Memphis. Um, I mean, a lot of it's angle-driven. I mean, heck, he brought Ricky Steamboat back as his mystery partner in 89 in the NWA. The guy was the master of putting himself in angles and getting him over. Um, and then he, he just had really good psychology. He knew as a small guy, he knew how to have a good match and he could have a good match with anybody. And, but he, he knew he used his height where a lot of people didn't use their height as a heel being a small heel. He used it to his advantage. So he'd do like doing cheap shots or throwing powder in the eyes or, or stuff behind the ref's back. So he understood heel psychology. And, uh, but he's also a guy who could go out and have a really good competitive match with like a Brian Pillman. Uh, and work, work more of a work rate type of uh, type of thing. So he's really versatile, and I, and I, I really underrated. And, and he had he had yeah. it. He was just a, such a gr- amazing promo, uh, and he can make you love him. Great, great mind. For the he business. can make you love yeah. him, but he can really make you hate him. And uh, he was just so good. I loved him because I thought he was cool. Like when everyone was booing him, I'd watch him in mid uh, mid south WF with a uh, uh, hot stuff and Hyatt Incorporated. I adored him. I thought he was just when hot stuff by Donna Summer would play and he comes strutting down to the ring. I was like, that guy is the coolest motherfucker. <laughs> Love him. Yeah, I mean, every time he had the book, I mean, I thought he did well in mid south. I mean, I don't know how about business gates, but but entertaining television, he, that was good. I thought. We did it in Continental. He was good. Uh, early ECW. Early ECW. Easier. Yeah, him and, him and Terry Funk stuff I thought was great for ECW. Early ECW. Uh, Continental Memphis when he had the book in Memphis. You, and stuff have you guys ever did. seen his I'm the King of Philadelphia vignettes from Eastern Championship great. Wrestling? He's walking around Philadelphia with a crown on that he's the real King of Philadelphia. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. fantastic. <laughs> He's he was so good. He's always put over as one of the great minds in the business, isn't he? Um, by by the by by the boys. Um, yeah, one match of his I I will always uh, put over is uh, him and Ron Simmons versus the Fantastic. I've always been a yeah, mark for that match. Really so. good match. I used, to love, I used to love his yeah. handhelds versus Terry Funk. I thought were some of the best. Uh, he, he was a guy who had a lot of footage on him, but it was just weird. Like his best stuff, I think, never really made tape. I mean, a lot of his stuff made tape, but it seemed like you know Memphis. I think would be where he really yeah. would shine. But they didn't have it's just like you know they didn't have the arena footage. You know, you yeah, get highlights. That's probably so Mem- see, wow, that's that awesome. Memphis was where a guy his size at that time could shine in the ring. And no one's going to say anything about yeah. it because there were a lot of quote-unquote undersized guys in Memphis. Uh, but going back, the Russian flag burial angle is angle, awesome. where, where he comes out and he goes, Mr. Watts, 
you know, I just want to let you, he's trying to get Bill Watts out to the, the whole TV show. Please talk to me, please talk to me, because he's managing the Russians, and he's managing the Blade Runners. And he finally gets Bill Watts to come out, and he goes, you're right, because he had spanked him or some shit the week before. And uh, you're right, Yeah, I've been wrong to manage these Russians. You know, now, I'm not changing my ways. I'm still going to manage the Blade Runners, but I, I'm an American, and I want to let you know we're going to take this flag and we're going to burn it right in this ring. And Bill Watts falls for it like an asshole. And next thing you know, the Russians fucking run in. They beat the fuck out of him, hit him over with a shovel, and he buries him with the fucking... Uh, yeah. And that crowd, if there were weapons allowed, there would have been guns going off, boom, boom, boom. And he's so good in this. Uh, it, it, total shame of what happened uh, with with him, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a guy who he he would rather work on top and and have creative input and, and then make then and then he was more for the art than the actual uh, yeah uh, money. I mean, he'd rather work in a yeah. he'd rather be the big fish yeah. in the small pond than be a small fish in a big pond uh, making more money in in that sense but he'd rather and, you know he wanted to have is, good matches have good angles which is like creative. buddy rose uh, buddy rose uh, wanted to be the big fish in the small pond the, uh, the difference is eddie gilbert had so many substance abuse problems too that he burned a lot of bridges whereas Bu- buddy really did a lot of bridges yeah. oh buddy rose well uh, but he did you know portland was always there for him you know it, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they always say that Buddy Rose's problem was just he was an arsehole, yeah. right? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I want to watch some of that early ECW stuff. I haven't seen like like I'm talking like '94 yeah, ECW. That kind much, of like yeah. night. I, yeah, I, 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 late '93. '93. Yeah, he was I, gone I, by '94. I, I maybe even see that. I, I I kind of want to see the period where like Sal oh, Bolero yeah, turns it, up it, and stuff. Eastern, <laughs> it's, oh yeah, it's, it's early Eastern yeah. Championship Wrestling. It's 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 on the network. Yeah, some of it is right, or not all of it. it well, I, I did have a look, and yeah. they seem to start in '96 on the network. Like, oh, no, they, oh, got, they got some older stuff on there. Do they? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I'll, they do. I'll, I'll, Maybe I'll you'll see. Get the yeah, it, yeah, it's easy to find, but Eddie Gilbert, King of Philadelphia, is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Well, uh, let's get to this match now. We've got Gorilla Monsoon on commentary. Uh, he's joining Vince on these yeah. MSG shows now. When did that start? Yeah, this is the first one. This is the first match of the first show. Yeah, and, a new uh, era. Yeah, I mean he. he um, most of my notes here are mainly about Gorilla. Um, Vince, Vince claims that these two have co- uh, butterflies on commentary. They were really making a deal out of these two, trying to make an impression at MSG. And um, they also made quite a big deal of their weight category. They were like, oh, these guys are light heavyweights. He's only two. Um, he's only yeah, I think because Tiger Mask was coming in. And they were going to mm-hmm. use these guys as opponents right. for Tiger but, Mask. But it was funny. Yes. Was, was that the reason? Funny, like Parv saying, he goes, you know, he's only, he's only 220. <laughs> that's that's, that's yeah. anyway now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be Gorilla. Uh, I can talk more about him more, but when you get into this match, Pete. Yeah, I don't have much to say. I found it was just a pretty bland uh Babyface preliminary match where they're just 
kind of working headlock takeovers and and they didn't really uh do much um it was kind of like don't steal the show but do enough to eat, eat enough time for 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 a draw i uh i didn't really didn't care for the match at all johnny uh, i i've seen this before i i've watched this uh, this was uh, was on uh, 24/7 and i remember watching this and i it's boring it it's far better than your typical uh, MSG opening match between the Baron and yeah. you know and uh, uh, whoever. Uh, it, I, I, it's kind of like the same formula, but just yeah, but, a but quicker with the young, with the young athletic guys yeah. doing the same formula, CRISPR, uh, yeah. where they did. I liked when they played up that they're getting angry. Because there's nothing more. Number number one, babyface versus babyface respecting each other. I hate, and it's even worse when it's two like undercard guys, Job undercard guys yeah. doing it. And Eddie Gilbert was getting a little pissed so, uh, at towards the, the in the second half of the, of the match, which was very long. <laughs> and um, then I kind of got into it. Uh, uh, the, every, the, the, even at the end, man, the, the the ref was unimpressed and he left, had split, uh, and, and then so, of course a, a draw, and they shake hands at the end, you know. And, okay, I, I like that it got a little heated at one point, but Hennig looks like the big dork who you know can kick your ass, and Eddie Gilbert looked like a little, you know, you know pug pug nose punk. Uh, yeah, uh, it's what about Gorilla though? And I'm sure you're gonna get into this part. Didn't hearing his voice suddenly feel calming and inviting? Like, ah, oh, yeah, I know that voice. That's that voice I love. Yeah. And, uh, like, well, he was uh, he was off asleep. I, so, but but, that's, you know, it's, but it's the opening it's match. Oh, them. You know, Vince. You know, oh, these two youngsters—they've got a lot of potential. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's the voice I adore. It, huh. it was, I, I do agree, he was calm. But it, calm. I felt calmed by him. Yeah, it was like, that's Gorilla <laughs> Monsoon. And I adore Gorilla Monsoon. And this is the first time we've heard him on any of this commentary. So that's my takeaway is both these guys are awesome. Well, say- both these guys did way too much drugs. Both these guys eventually became Two of my favorite guys, but right here, it's all about Gorilla. It's actually the second time we've heard him really? play because he was on the, the Battle of Atlantic City. Oh, well, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I tried to forget about that. Right. I know you, you know, I know you, t- I know you, I, three, three million dollars. I, I know you still touch yourself, mega touch yourself inappropriately uh, to that match. But I, I've, I've forgotten. It's, it's come back to the forefront recently. Uh, the whole show was uploaded on YouTube, including uh, uh, Ted DiBiase versus Greg Valentine match. It's pretty good. Yeah. Wow, I got to see that one. I haven't seen that one. It was a decent match. Kelly, hard to say. You know, Vince must have gone back and watched at this time and said that match was that match was awesome. And I love you, Gorilla. You should be on commentary. 
Well, that was Gorilla's first ever time on commentary was was yeah. that match, and then he didn't do it again until until literally now. So mm-hmm. kind of a weird. Well, actually, yeah, and he replaces Cal in uh, uh, Philadelphia Philly, yeah. at the same time, yeah. exact same time. And I think this is is this not to do with the him buying the company mm. and and having having a share in the job for life and all that. No, well, he already yeah. had a part of the company. That was the thing. Vince but had to buy it from him. Yeah, but like the, the idea was is that now Gorilla's got a job for life. So what's his job? Well, he has to be a commentator. Uh, I don't know if that's totally true. He oh, was in charge. Tra- and made oh, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he, he got a, he I got a percent. He got, I remember him getting paid a job or pay for every town they booked. I mean, yeah. he wasn't didn't have to make any towns. Yeah. I mean... I think what happened is that Vince wanted to transition out of commentary, and so Gorilla was being groomed. Because as we're going to see, Vince is only around for a couple more MSG shows, and then it's Gorilla uh, solo, and then Gorilla with Pat Patterson. Does uh, Vince still does yeah, the Vince TV still though? Right? Superstar. Yeah, he still does the TV. Yeah, but he he gets away from the MSG shows, so I think he was he just wanted a replacement. Uh, yeah, I think that. he needed to be there to run the shows, and he wanted yeah. to be on the main TV ones to still get the angles over and uh, to yeah. push and be the face yeah. of the company. But if Gorilla had stunk, he would not have. He would have figured out something else for him to do for oh, yeah. the money that he's being paid. Yeah. Paid right. I, I, I do remember quite a long thread in which JDW was shitting all over that idea. By the way, Pete, about oh, him, really? like how, how much he got paid. When we went into it in pretty tedious detail, but he, you know what he's like. He, uh, he's skeptical but, but, about but everything. That's, right? that's one right. of the ones that there's, there's so much that you can go. Well, you know, it's all stories. That's one of the ones that's pretty well documented. Is the gorilla deal, and I could never figure out why anyone was arguing that one. I'm like, it's it's, it's pretty well documented. <laughs> It, we, yeah, we to try- me it sounds so out of the box where it's like crazy not to believe the story because who wouldn't come up with that type of Mel- thing? Meltzer you know? has it in the the monsoon uh, obituary. Fire. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know, but there is, there is a thread I remember I going remember over it, it, and he was one. Oh, yes, yeah. it exists. Let's keep he, it buried. He was one of the people who was uh, like vehemently arguing that it can't possibly be true, so... You know, right, it is what it is. I, 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 Phil Zacco and Ar- Arnie Scarlin also got decent payouts as well. Oh, yeah. Seem to yeah. 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 Oh, Mrs. Scarlin still around, freaking ringside, always next to some handsome somebody in the crowd. Yeah, but Zacco was out, right? He did like he didn't stick. He didn't get a job and stick around. He just got pay off and was gone. I think it was at the bottom of the Schuylkill River in a pair of cement shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, cool. near when, dead, when Bart brought up Phil Zacco on the Cal show, he no sold that he existed. I think he's uh, Phil <laughs> Zacco is sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> now, uh, Caddy, what did you make of this match? Uh, as a match, you know, it's babyface versus babyface, like has been said. It's it was a pretty dull affair, but. It was interesting. I mean, I really loved the quality of the footage. Finally, we got like this pristine quality MSG footage that was awesome. Um, it's great to see, you know, those two guys before they were stars, sort of curiosity type deal. And um, 
Yeah, but no, otherwise it was it was nothing special at all. I, I like Gorilla talk about waist lock into a mare. He was like, oh, you don't see the, you know, you only see guys doing that at this weight bracket. Um, he, he got in his carotid artery oh, line oh, joint, yes. um, which is a, which is a gorilla special. And there was a moment about five minutes um, where, like five minutes from the end, where he's like, I didn't see the time limit on this match, Vince, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. Um, but, you know, I feel like I was the I'm, I went three and a half on this. I really what? enjoyed it. I it was a good technical good technical bout kind of an old school wow match. wow you crapped on buddy and bob yeah and you, and you like this dull fest i thought this was the okay, best match we saw the remnants of what shall not be discussed are still dripping all over you this was a kind of an old school <laughs> 1950s style match i kind of like the idea that if you remember yeah, it was 1982 I kind of like the idea that if you remove the heels from the proceedings, this is what would happen. A very clean technical match. I kind of quite we're, like that idea. Like they're keeping that idea alive. Guy eventually starts working heel. Um, the, and there was a good like I really I popped for the near fall after the suplex towards the end, uh, and there was a good couple of near falls in the finish. I thought they built okay, to that pretty well. Suplex. That's it. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the deal. <coughs> so I enjoy. I thought it was a good You're match. Half star. Oh, probably the best uh, MSG opener in history to that point. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like <laughs> saying <laughs> <laughs> this was like bloody Pillman versus Liger of his day, man. <laughs> yeah, the crowd. There, in crowd, there was no heat at all. <laughs> there was zero heat whatsoever. Totally heatless. People were just walking around, mulling about, and not even paying attention to this. Yeah, thing. this is the popcorn match. Let's go, dro- go no, 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 no. Uh, Broadway. Make sure everyone's in there, gets no, no. their popcorn, the popcorn, gets their match is in the middle of the card. This is, you're still arriving. <laughs> match. Yeah. Well, I thought it was better than Rose versus Backlund, so there we are. Wow. Um, I did. You know why? Because you hate Bob <laughs> and you hate, and you hate people who love Buddy Rose. <laughs> let's uh, okay. Let's uh, we're we're on the home straight here. So let's uh, do our end of show awards. Mm, uh, and match of the night is the first one, and I guess you're all going for Bob Rose, right? Yeah, I am. Well, yeah. What what are you thinking about, Kelly? What, what no, I nothing because yeah, no, there wasn't anything else. There's two choices <laughs> or the tag match, maybe. Yeah, the tag I wanted to be good because the previous tags between them were good, but this that one was too short and just yeah, didn't have much to it. Wrong results. No, it's, yeah, it's got to be Bob and Buddy. Uh, Johnny Snooker versus Albano. <laughs> That was not a match, Johnny. That was a match. Okay, all right. Remember when we first started um, this? Well, I would just say whatever I thought, and yeah, what was a match? To me, that that is the match of this. Technically, Snooker versus Stevens. Snooker well, versus the last Stevens. Where the, the big boys play, uh, Par wouldn't let Chad pick 
Bill Watts is worst performer for bad booking. <laughs> you can't have bookers and angles, and you know you have to have the. It has to be a match or a actual worker, you know. Like, like there's really a Wikipedia page on the Billy Graham award. There, there is Don't you remember when um, we first started doing this show? I went like, when you get to the match tonight, I'd just say something silly. You know, and just, you, you never told me I was not allowed. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. <laughs> Has to be a match. So you're picking Stevens versus no, uh, Snooker. I'm, I'm picking that that was the best thing on this show, is uh, the Albano Snooker stuff. Okay. Um, and I'm going with Hennig versus Gilbert. As my and, match of the night. And then um, I, you, really? <laughs> I, re- I recommend the listeners watch that match um, over I anything else. Yeah, if you do, then you can then you can really really uh, hate par. <laughs> so uh, MVP, MVP, bad wrestling to you. MVP then? Oh, good. Probably hit Hennig's career match of this. No, no, because he had the Portland stuff, doesn't he? So. Um, <laughs> What so? What's the MVP then? Who's the MVP on this? Uh, Pete? I'm gonna go, buddy. I mean, with the video and the sun tanning and the, you know the mud pies, and then he had a, got a good match with Bob. I'm gonna go with Buddy Rose. I'm Johnny, go with a different buddy, and that's Buddy Rogers, because he is the linchpin. <laughs> He's the linchpin for what was one of the most memorable things of my childhood. If it, if it hadn't been for investigative reporter Buddy Rose, Jimmy Slinkett would still be enslaved by that evil slave master Lou Albano, and this was m- one my most memorable. Yeah, Buddy uh, Buddy Rogers. <laughs> Kenny, uh, I'm going to say Don Morocco hey. as a outside the box choice. I thought he was awesome. That was a perfect squash match, and he looked great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, why not? All right, my MVP is Joe McHugh. So uh, <laughs> is right. <laughs> I thought he was. I thought he was awesome when he was uh, introducing Buddy Rogers and stuff. Um, and plus, he's never going to win it again. So I might as well. I didn't think anybody was particularly outstanding on this footage, oh. so I'll, I'll give it to McHugh. Um, so who is the outstanding performances on this? Uh... Uh, who is the worst performer on the night, Pete? Mm. Oh man, uh, worst performer. I'm gonna have to give it to fuck. Um, I'm gonna have to give it to uh, the Samoans because I'm terrified of what's gonna happen. <laughs> Not for what they did. I'm just terrified oh, for the future, Johnny. Um. Let me look here. Mm. Worst performance. Um. Oh, 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 You can give it to Ray Stevens, oh, historically. Oh, well, no. You know, <laughs> a lot of guys have been worst performers, but the, the the worst, worst performer was ever Ray Stevens, but we don't have the footage. Um, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to say, the worst performer... <laughs> Why? Why? A Backlund is the worst guy ever. 
I mean, it, you, that was worse than the actual breaking of the okay, belt. Okay, Superstar think? Group. I was actually <laughs> trying to choose between why and you're right, Pete. I, I rescind that, and it is Superstar Billy Graham trying to to pull the belt apart is the worst performance on this. Billy Graham Award. Okay, and that gets, <laughs> yeah. uh, Kelly. Ah, uh, I'm gonna go with Buddy Rogers. Oh, I thought he he, he Ooh, wasn't geez. over in the slightest bit. He was m- kind of marble mouthed um, in his promos or in, in interview segments. He didn't seem very comfortable with the microphone, to be honest. Um, yeah, he's he's a you know a, he's he's out of date. He's not over. He's not really a good performer anymore. And the Rogers Corners. So, so now <laughs> we know who was around in 1962, who still holds a grudge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the first time that's ever happened. The, the MVP was also a uh, worst performer. How dare you? Uh, I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> I think it's it um, My worst performer is Chief J Strongbow. So there we go. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Terrible, wait, says Brad. That's your way to go. His Billy yell was convincingly <laughs> dramatic. That was really good. <laughs> to make you research on it, Parv. He made you. Yeah, you exactly. You exactly. Chief J. Strongbow, of all people, convinced <laughs> you to investigate. And and find the answer because I believe your Billy White Wolf thing is completely correct. So how how can yeah. it possibly be the worst? Well, it's, bet- <laughs> it's between him and the chick who was uh, rubbing the roses so thigh. Good, buddy. I know. Yeah, yeah, no. Let's give it to her. <laughs> no, I'm gonna give it to Strong though. That was the girl, girl, by the way. <laughs> Got to keep ticker. <laughs> <laughs> well, what am I going to do now? Uh, you know, J- J- Jimmy Jam is gone, so I have to give it to someone. I, uh, my 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 guys who I hate and are running out here. So, um, <laughs> what, what we got coming up next, Kelly? Uh, I have to open a file and to find out. I know it's uh, mostly from a MSG show from the the same match or the. The Gilbert uh, Henning match was from. The, the, no, the November 82 card. Yeah, November 22nd, 82. Um, I know there's a match on there that's going to make you basically, you know, cry tears of joy because it's Ray Stevens versus Chief Ooh. J. Strongbow. Oh, boy. And that sounds like the match, again, that your father would look over his newspaper, look at it and go, Ugh. Don't you know this shit's fake? <laughs> it's it's not. I mean, I'm not going to spoil it if you don't know what happens in the match. But I kind of spoiled it by saying that Parv will be a very oh, happy man when he watches that match. Yeah, so there's that to look forward to. There's Jimmy Snuka versus Lou Albano, which is a interesting match to say the least. If you I haven't see. seen that before, I can, predict, I can predict what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pedro against Buddy for the IC title. I don't believe I've ever seen that, so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what Buddy can do with Pedro. Uh, wow. We get, yeah, we get Backland and Superstar at MSG for the first time. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. seen it before. 
Yeah. Paul um, in Bob's, in Bob's book, else? he talks. He, he's so nice about stuff, but he does talk about how, like, yeah, this was big money, but yeah, oof. <laughs> I, I, predict, yeah. I, predict, I predict Billy Graham winning at least one Billy Graham award on where on Titans. Were. Oh yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's most likely coming up. Um, and we have a very interesting tag team match that I just uh, realized here. Um, Mr. Saito is still Whoa, in the territory, really? Ooh. and he's teaming teaming with. You want to guess who he's Tiger teaming Chung-Li. with? It's not Mr. Fuji. <laughs> It's not Tiger Chung Lee. Think outside the box. Think New Japan Sweet Pro Wrestling. <laughs> Tatsuji Fujiwami? Yeah, you're getting close. Who is the other? Who is his yep. big rival? Uh, Tiger Mask? No, no, no. His rival in the, the big feud in New Japan. Ricky Choshu? Yes, Ricky Choshu. Ricky Choshu comes to MSG. <laughs> yeah, and oh. comes to MSG in... He's teaming with Mr. Saito. Well, they're big, they're big buddies, of course, in that awesome stable that they have. Yes, yes. And uh, they're facing an interesting combination of Rocky Johnson and Tony Gurria. Um, wow. Yeah. You know, that uh, could be a good... There's four four very good tag wrestlers there. That could yeah, be a good match. That has potential, for sure. Oh. Mm. Um, and then we're going to the Philadelphia Spectrum for three matches. Or it, could be a, or it could be the curfew credit curfew. Well, it could call. be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I predict Gurria is taking the fall safely in that match. <gasps> or Saito, he's leaving the territory. I want to mention. Or or Choshu, because he's sticking around. I, 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 I just want to mention one note that I had forgotten to mention is after was during that Ray Stevens Kurt Henning match. Uh, they were they went. Well, next week he's not going to be facing a young guy like uh, Kurt Henning. He's going to be facing. Tony Gurria. So, he wasn't completely... Uh, look, I'm, I'm hanging on to my Gurria. <laughs> uh, so then we go to the Philadelphia Spectrum for three bouts. Uh, Tiger Mask against Eddie Gilbert. Never seen that. That could be interesting. Um, the next match, though, will could, be, could a be good. Contender. good. Yeah, that could be good. Could be good. The next match, though, will be a contender for Probably one of the worst matches we've ever seen. I'm just guessing. Um, Superstar Graham versus Chief oh, Strongbow. Rock and roll. <laughs> oh god. Oh <laughs> my god. Oh my god. Oh but my but god. that's in Philly, right? <laughs> I can't. Philly. Oh, Jesus. That's gonna be ugly. Now, that's gonna be ugly. Now, now you guys will know why we don't come back for another. No, no, no. <laughs> A Philly crowd could make this either like good. Or it could make it an amazing abomination if they shit on it. Yeah. That's I, I will hope. say, Strongbow did do a baseball slide in that match earlier, so he's still got, like, some tiny bit of agility left. Well, yeah, so, it, 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 he you know, this a baseball be... slide, and he's fat and stinks. Neville did a baseball slide a couple months ago and broke his ankle. <laughs> and, and this is Billy Graham, where Philly thinks he's dead. Thanks to my right. Yeah, it, it could be a real train wreck. and But it'll be redeemed, the card will be redeemed by the main event, which is Bob Backlund versus Buddy Rose in a Lumberjack nice. match. That is, that is really good. So that's our next right. show. Well, hopefully uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and hopefully shorter rather than longer. 
<laughs> yes, I can't believe this one went so long. Oh, but we made up, we made up while, for all those yeah. months of no shows by doing a marathon. <laughs> yeah, a marathon talking about mostly meaningless but TV you know, votes. But you know it what? Quite um, uh, this is nothing compared to the marathons people have been listening to lately. So, Oh, no, this is a brief show. This is just a total uh, breeze show. <laughs> Well, join us next time for the Titans of Wrestling. Wasn't made for these times